By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You might even already be investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy easy to use and only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free and iTrust fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. With iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit itrustcapital.com to start investing today. That's itrustcapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional hey guys it's uh cj and rico's with me here what's up buddy hey how are you uh good man uh listen we you're probably sitting here wondering like hey wait that's not the usual energetic goofy thing that i recognize from these guys and that's because we we're not doing that right this moment we're actually kind of just bringing you guys a heads up we the episode you're about to hear has some some fun, as as we always bring on Pottiskew, but it also has some pretty heavy subjects compared to what you're used to. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's a little, uh, it's heavier than normal. And and that's not to say that we haven't done heavy before, but this this is one of the few times where I've kind of squirmed in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a recording. It, it, there's there's a part that freaked me the fuck out too, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, that, and, and to be clear, that is nothing against the, you know, the the person we're recording with is just the subject matter was a bit heavier than than we normally do but you know we're very 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 happy with the end result of the episode for sure and and certainly it's not you know it's not this is not one of those like you know for the week of stomach or week of heart you, you should be okay but we just wanted to give everyone a heads up that like there may be some moments where you're like Ugh, you know and and we don't want you to be uncomfortable I will say this, if you're not big in horror movies or even the horror movie culture or even just real life horrors, you may want to just go into this with, you know, have a drink nearby, do what you need to do keep to the help lights keep on. yourself calm down. <laughs> yeah. Play, you know, if you're good at meditation, do so before and then after. <laughs> Maybe even in the middle. Um... Maybe in the middle. Take take a couple of pauses and, and, and find your... <laughs> your hidden chakra or whatever the fuck at the end, at the end of the day, we're not discouraging you from listening. We just want you to be aware of what what's coming. So please sit back, enjoy the episode, enjoy our guest. She's very knowledgeable and a lot of fun to talk to. So hopefully you will enjoy all of it. But again, just be aware that it gets a little heavy. You have been warned. To the Potterskew Podcast, I am CJ, and with me, as always, is my hetero life mate Rico. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Dude, we got we got a really cool guest coming on tonight. But before we get to that, her, I should say, 
I was going to say that, but her, really. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, take a few minutes, and we have some sad news, not about the show, but just in the world of entertainment, and then some really happy news in the world of entertainment. So um, I'm going to start with the sad news so we can end on a high note. Um, we've lost some legends in the last, like, what, seven, 48 hours? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Three in one day, by my count. Were they all on the same day? They could have been. Three, there was three, because I think you missed one when you and I were initially talking. Okay. And there was one today. Okay. All right. Right. All right. So the I'm going to I'm gonna mention one. The other two I'm familiar with, but I don't remember their names as clearly. Like, I don't know them as well, so I'll let you say them. But the one that, that affects me in any capacity is Regis Philbin. Mm. Um, love. I, look, I'm not a big, you know, morning talk show, you know, you know, 8 a.m. talk show person, but Regis, Regis was fun, you know, and 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 he didn't mind laughing at himself if necessary, you know. He, despite his whatever his age was, he was always kind of. No, no, I'm I'm saying whatever he was, he was right. always kind of like. You know, he gave off the impression he was bouncing and he Oh young. He was always heart. always oh, yeah. excited and let me tell you something about what's going on. Like Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. For sure. Um and it and it was just fun. I was Deb and I were commiserating yesterday when we found out that he passed because we're both big huge fans of How I Met Your Mother, the the T V show. And there's an episode in the early years of it, I wanna say like the third season, where they're trying to find the best hamburger in New York that Marshall had eaten when he first moved there, like years earlier. And they're trying to hunt this place down, but they know Regis knows about it because Regis is his signed picture was on the wall of this place, right? And uh-huh. so Neil Patrick Harris as Barney goes to the gym where he and Regis both work out, like not together, but Regis works out at his gym. So right. he goes to Regis and starts asking about this burger, hoping that he, he can, like, point them in the right direction. And Regis starts, like, losing his mind because he's been dreaming of this burger for, like, 10 years because he can't find it anymore either. And But he's, like, lifting, like, 500 pounds on a deadlift. Like, no, and obviously it's not real, but, you know. Right. Um, but what's even funnier about it is he starts getting all worked up, like, as Regis does that, rawr, 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 you know, like that, that worked up Regis. And Neil Patrick Harris goes into his Regis impersonation, telling him to calm the fuck down. So it's Regis on Regis at one point. It's a really funny bit. Um, so anyway, that's, that, is that your final answer? Right. And yes, of course, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? And everybody watched that shit when it first came out. So, you know, and, you know, I, I almost wonder was he more famous for that with Kathy for that or with his time with Kathy Lee? I'm not sure. Well, for me, I knew him from Millionaire. Like yeah. that was how I was introduced to him, and I was I was just. And then, like, I remember I saw like around maybe the height of his Millionaire uh, popularity, I saw like an infomercial or a com- or just a commercial of him advertising him singing Sinatra and Dean Martin standards. <laughs> <laughs> like was it legit or like a parody? It, it was it, it was legit. It was oh, I mean awesome. he was he wasn't a very good singer, but it was like legit him like if you like Regis and you like me, then you should listen to me doing Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. It's it's amazing. It's it's phenomenal. And, <laughs> and 
That's awesome. Your reach is actually pretty good. I got to give you that. Um, but like, you know, if, if there was like, like if there was a standard of like, fly me to the moon. He'd right, be like, right. Fly me to the moon. Like, just it was almost like a raspy Shatnerizing kind of way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, which is ironic because a lot, and like even Deb said to me, she sometimes got him and Shatner confused because they look similar. You know what I mean? Like Regis, Regis had his own hair. Well, yeah, yes, but I mean the hairstyle. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah, well, the hairstyle though, and like facial structure is similar enough that if you're not real familiar with them, you could easily say, "Was that Regis or is that Shatner?" You know what I mean? So, um, right. you know, guys like you and me who you know just live with this shit we we know but and that's not meaning anything bad on anyone but the point is one of the first people that one of the first things i saw on twitter after it was announced he had passed was shatner giving well wishes to regis and then saying no i'm still alive so you know in separate tweets which was kind of nice like he wasn't disrespecting regis in any way um so that that was that and then okay so we had some other losses though uh and who are those we got we got Olivia de Havilland, who died 100, today. 103, if I'm right. 104. 104. And she was one of the stars of Gone with the Wind, if I recall. Yes. Uh, she was a two-time Academy Award winner awesome. for Best Actress. Um, and she was uh, Melanie in Gone with the Wind. But I actually know her from another film. Uh, that she did with Sinatra and Robert Mitchum called Not as a Stranger. Not a great film, uh, but she was good in it. It's it's all sure. about doctors. It's one of the, actually, it's the first film where actually, it shows a beating heart, and it was like 1955, wow. where it shows a beating heart in it. It's all surgeons and doctors and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I don't really, I didn't really agree with anything that she said politically. She was very much a, if I remember correctly, I, I think my facts are correct. She was a ultra conservative. So, okay, yeah, I'm not, but I respected yeah. her as an actress. Sure, I'm not familiar with any of her political, so I can't speak to that. But, um, who? Someone else died. Uh, Peter Green. Peter, I don't know who that is. I don't think I heard that one. Peter Green is the singer, songwriter, guitarist, and founding member of Fleetwood Mac. No shit, I did not catch that. I, I. Totally did not see that that happened. Yeah, and and that's see, it always comes in threes. So yeah, well, well in this case, in four, this case, more than three. But uh, damn one, yeah. So um, again, not really my style of music, but you know, and I and I don't know his politics, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that either. Uh, but you know, I, I wish his uh, his family. Uh, my condolences. Just Here's like the thing. All these I'm, I'm going to say this really quick because I know we have some other things we want to get to, but um, I'll say this about Fleetwood Mac is that, you know, when when people think of Fleetwood Mac, they only think of, you know, Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks and, um, right. Christ, I'm blanking, Lindsey Buckingham. Like, you don't think, you know... And, you know, and so I I knew that because I'm a music person, but I didn't I didn't you just you just missed that news. That's I all. missed that news, but also like when you think, but also like if you had said to me, like I knew the musician, and if I had some time to think about, it, I probably could have figured out where he was from, meaning Fleetwood. But like it would be a lot different if I if you said to me, "Oh, Stevie Nicks died," I'd be like, "Oh, well, oh shit," you know. <laughs> um, 
yeah. Anyway, so, and then so uh, one on my list for uh, was John Saxon. You may not know who he was, but he was uh, sort of a he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, the the original, as well as he was in the third one, and he also played himself in Wes Craven's new Nightmare, which is sort of a meta part of the franchise. It's self-referential. Instead of actors playing the characters in the Nightmare on Elm Street, they're actually playing themselves, but Freddy has like leaked into the real world. He's, t- he's like harassing the original lineup of actors from the r- first film, for example. Um, John Saxon played the, the cop and the, and the father of the, of the, uh, the final girl, essentially, in Nightmare on Elm Street. And not only that, he was also an accomplished martial artist. He he was in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Yeah, I see. Believe- I I pulled up his IMDb um, because I've seen this guy in some stuff. Maybe yeah. not, you know, the nightmare movies for reasons of obviousness. Reasons, yeah. But yeah, um, but like he, I've seen him on TV and movies. Like he's been on a couple episodes of Criminal Minds. I'm looking at. Right. Um, he was in Beverly Here- Hill- Beverly Hills Cop three. So, oh my God, you're right. I completely forgot. I, well, I I tend to forget three. Um, I don't think three is as bad as people say, but that's a that's it's a whole as, different. It's not as good. No, I'm not saying it is, but it, I don't think it's a screaming piece of shit either. No. Um, oh, see, that's I'll... where I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rico, but that's where I know him the best from. I, I I knew there was a thing, and I was looking for it. He played um a couple characters on the A Team, the TV show, the Did? old. Yeah, yeah, like just just tertiary characters for like one-off episodes. But back in the '80s, on shows like Knight Rider and the A Team and Airwolf and all those shows, what they would do is they would get the same actor to play different people in episodes that were far enough apart that you would be you would forget he was in that last one, you know. So sure. you know, um, and so he did that a few times. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, here's the strange thing: we we. We also uh, lost Kelly Preston a couple weeks ago. Yes, we didn't really talk about that. We should have, but, but we didn't. But here's here's the nutty thing, and I'm not trying to say that like I have powers or anything. Uh-oh. But forever, this has always been a thing. I will randomly think of an actor, or I'll just randomly watch a movie, and then like the next day or that day, somebody that I'm like singling out when I watch something dies. Well, it's the, it happens way more often than it should for me. So I'm just like, I, I try not to think about actors I like because well, I don't want them to die. I'll tell you two quick things. One, just staying on John Saxon for me. He was also in From the Till Dust Till Dawn because I know you're a big fan of that movie. Um, That's what you, you beat me by a second. Um, but he's but the other thing is to your point about the thinking about a, a, a an actor or whatever, and then they pass away. Um, Deb. Dev and I yesterday got on to talking about Bob Hope somehow, and she asked me, you know, when did he pass away? And I, I had said like ninety eight, ninety nine, which was wrong, and so we looked it up and figured out it was two thousand three. But it, she didn't know he was a hundred when he passed away. I knew he was at a hundred. I just didn't remember what year it was. And right. so, she, and she said, "Wow, that's really interesting. I wonder how many other people have been that old." And I immediately went to George Burns because George Burns made it to like a hundred or a hundred and one as well. To be fair, he's always looked like a hundred, but yes. he has. But he's still—I mean, he smoked a cigar fucking constantly and still lived to a hundred. That's you know. But then, so that that made us look up a list of actors that have lived to a hundred or more. 
and she popped up on that fucking list last night, and then today she's there. Yeah. yeah. So well, so you can understand this, but same thing. I showed stuff from Dust Till Dawn, and not only is John Saxon have the briefest of roles, he just he's he's a he's a cop. Uh, shown on TV. So he's being interviewed, but guess who interviews him? Uh, guess who plays the the reporter? I don't know. Kelly Preston. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so when I saw this... You took two out with one movie, buddy. <laughs> I, and I, that's why I, I didn't... I, I thought I sent you a text. I'm like, I fucking did this... No, I sent it to Seth. The day we... The night we watched From Dust Till Dawn, then later that night, it... I news broke Kelly Preston died. I sent that to Steph and I'm like, I fucking did again. Yep. And then she texted back and said, You fucking murderer. Yeah, don't think about me at all, please. Um That's easy. All right, <laughs> but on to Yeah, on, on to, to happier news. news. Um I would like to announce can you get the date if you don't because I don't have it in front of me. Um mm-hmm. I wanna say it was Wednesday, but um sincere congratulations and and love to our friend sav rogers who got married this week that's right super super happy for sav and his fiance we we didn't really meet her but we saw her wandering around in the back a few times during our interview with him uh it was three days ago three days so thursday thursday Thursday. Yeah. yeah um so yeah Congratulations to Sav, man. I mean, that's awesome. And we we gave him a proper congratulations day of on on Twitter and Facebook. But right. I want to take a second to give him some love on the show because first off, he's a friend of the show for sure. And then on top of that, he's just a great dude and and deserves it. So I'm really happy for the two of them. Agreed. I'm I'm overjoyed uh, that you know they. I mean, especially in times like this during fucking COVID of all. Yeah, things, yeah, for real. You wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect people getting married. They're just like fuck it. We can't. We we're sticking to a date. Yeah. Well, I I got the impression from when Sab brought it up on the, the interview or maybe even post interview that it wasn't ever meant to be a big event. It was just meant to be them doing it and being happy about it. You know. Right. So I. uh but uh, yeah, I I think that's awesome. I'm super excited for them. Uh, I wish them years of happiness, and uh, you know well, they're also celebrating their sixth year anniversary of being together in yeah. August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember him mentioning that too. So I know they've been together for a minute, but now they're fi- now they're finally a, a married couple. So congratulations to Mister and Mrs. Rogers. I'm assuming, which yes. sounds worse than I probably mean it to just because of you know i'm gonna expect sav to now come into a room with a sweater on and some or a cardigan and some who am i naomi is the new hit series that's got all the buzz you have power i've never felt before critics are calling it unbelievably charming captivating a delight to watch casey walpole couldn't be more perfect as naomi you ready the question is are you ready get ready to see why i don't know what is happening to me are you a superhero superheroes aren't real what if they are? Naomi, only tonight on the CW. Tonight at nine, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud.
and really bad loafers. You know. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in my neighborhood. <laughs> all right. Well, all that said, I want to get our guest in, and um, we'll we'll introduce her and get into tonight's topic, which is not nearly as cheerful. <laughs> but it'll be all right. It'll be fun. So this woman was kind enough to have us on her show. However, you guys won't hear it for one, two, three. Four, three months, four months from now, October, October 2nd, whatever that is. Um, but we had such a great conversation with her that she, and she gave us some great information. We were like, we need to bring her on Potoskew. So this is really kind of a trailer for our appearance on her show a couple of months from now. I'd like to welcome Ariel Cooksey to the, to the Potoskew podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm even better now that I'm talking to you guys again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Even though they won't hear our conversations as closely in time as they are, um, it, it's really fun. Like, I love yeah. having you guys on. You're amazing. You're making me laugh. And basically, by the end of it, it was like, so we're buddies now. Um, what are we doing next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, Which, who do you like more, me or him? Oh, it's me. It's pretty, pretty well tied. Although oh. uh, I will say CJ does take the reins a little more in contacting me. So I'm going to give him just an Woo-hoo! edge. <laughs> Victory! Wow. Um, yeah. I'm nothing if not honest. So. Hey, I, I love it. Um, that's, that's fine. You have to, you have to, you have to give the weaklings, uh, you know, every once oh, in a while. Okay. Win. That's where we're going. <laughs> I see this. Okay. All right. You know, I have the editing power over here, motherfucker. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I can just that. I can just take you out of the entire episode. It'll just be me and Ariel the whole <laughs> way through. <laughs> yeah, that that will yeah, that'll be interesting. You guys talking about horror movies that you don't like. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um We'd make it work. Yeah. It would, see? Oh uh, okay, so I'll just fuck off that. Rico, no, no. Um that's that's don't funny. Leave. I, I love it. This is great. Um Yes, and so what we are going to talk about, and we're not going to get to it right yet because I have a couple non-related things I wanted to talk to you about, Ariel, before we get into it, but what we are going to talk about is, Ariel, of your many shows, because it seems like I'm losing (laughs) track of how many you actually have. um, Four currently, with two in the works, so. Do you sleep? Uh, No. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) You and I might actually need to talk after this off air, but that's beside the point. Um, Sure. So... Uh, but one of the shows, and, and the one that kind of got us connected in the first place, not the mm. one we were on, but is a true crime podcast. That's uh, right. The, the Mal- Malice Crime, I believe it's called? It's actually just Malice, just like Malice. Madonna, okay. except a podcast. I like it. Um, <laughs> and I have to specify to people a lot, though, because I get called Malice Podcast, and it's like, that's fine. It doesn't bug me. And in fact, my Twitter handle is at Malice Podcast. But the fact is, is that that's not actually part of the name of the show. Gotcha. It's just Malice. No, that's right. I mean, and that's that's ironic because our show is the Potoskew podcast, and yet our handle on Twitter is just at Potoskew. So we're kind of the reverse <laughs> of you. Um, but I wanted to ask you because it sounds like from our conversations, both before we recorded for your show and since, mm-hmm. you've been kind of going back and checking out our our catalog. So I've been just been yes. curious what you've been thinking of Potoskew up to this point, wherever wherever you are in the 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 monstrosity that is our show (laughs) you've got a lot to binge that's exciting to me like once i get hooked on a show i like 
basically push out everything else and just listen to that show until I'm through the catalog. Oh, wow. So I'm going to be set for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We just put out our 145th piece of content by tomorrow when we're done. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Some you might have to do while actually watching a movie because we've done commentaries as well. So you start. I love that. You start a movie at the same time we do. You turn on the subtitles or you turn your volume on low or off and you watch the movie as we do a commentary. Track. Yeah, we don't read on any audio for purposes of, you know, copyright issues. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we put the subtitles on so we know what's being said, even though some of these movies we probably could recite anyway. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yes. you know, um, real quickly, I'm going to try to go through the list, Rico. Tell me if I miss one when I'm done, but it should be Clerks. Fifth Element, Batman, uh, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, um, Batman Returns, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I think that's it, isn't it? What am I missing? Aquaman. Aquaman. I keep forgetting about Aquaman. Yeah. Oh, and Star Wars. We did Star Wars. How the fuck did we forget Star Wars? Episode four, (laughs) specifically. The New Hope. The original OG Star Wars. So... Yeah, and the, and like Rico the said, the McClunky you, version. The McClunky version, yeah. Um, <laughs> you heard about that, right? On Disney Plus, mm-hmm. they added an extra line of dialogue, so we we called it McClunky as as you should. <laughs> so um, I, I'm I'm viewing it as McClunky just means fuck, like in whatever Greedo ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'm I'm glad you're I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for listening. Really, that that really does mean a lot to both of us. I think I speak for Rico pretty easily on that one. Um, yes. Well, thank you, but that you know, the, one of the things about that that's so interesting is like I'm not a cinephile, right? And so if you are or are not, you can still find this content equally engaging. And I've added things to my watch list based on what you guys have talked about. Oh, so, well, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. So I, th- I mean, like what? I really, literally think it's for everyone. Um, well, okay. So they're on my watch list. I haven't exactly gotten to them because I'm catching up on another of my podcast, which sure. is where we watch documentaries. So mm-hmm. I've been basically binging documentaries for that for recording. But anyway, um, yeah, but like I said, I just I find it really, really engaging and really fun. And it's something that I mean, even if you're not like, amazingly well-versed in movies or an actual critic of any kind, you know, you're getting informed opinions and not always the same opinions, right? Which is great because you guys can kind of duke it out. And um, (laughs) everybody everybody likes at least some movies, right? It's relatable. So I love it. I'm here for it. Well, again, thank you. That that means a lot. We know now we at least have two listeners. So um, I think that's (laughs) That's a step in the right direction, you know. Well, four if you count us. But... No, we do, we don't count. So, you know what? I I am gonna go on a lame and say that smoke listens on a pretty regular basis. So I'll say three, you know. But I'm I'm going to bet that he doesn't retain everything that he listens to. Well, because he's usually high. <laughs> I mean, like the food, as he's listening, he loves it. But as soon as it's over, he's just he like forgets oh, it. I'm in a good mood, but I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we don't call him smoke for nothing, you know. So, 
you know. Oh, and honestly, he dubbed himself that. That's not even a name we gave him, but we just roll with it. But anyway, sure. his screen name of Midnight Smoke is a fucking lie because he's just constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's not just, yeah. It's just not. Oh, Midnight. Ah, Twilight. Daylight. Isn't that isn't that a song reference, though? What Midnight uh, Smoke? I can't remember the. Yeah, I can't remember um, the band, but I'm a, a, a Joker, I'm a Toker, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, Steve, Steve Miller Band, I think. Yes, you're yeah. absolutely right, Steve yeah. Miller Band, yep. Um, no, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure there's some maybe tie into that, but Rico's not wrong. He probably It probably has something to do with <laughs> him smoking at midnight himself. Um, so much so that he said something to me earlier, and I asked him, how high are you? And he actually admitted maybe a little too high. Which is a rarity for him, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> we love you, Smoke. We we truly do, but it's just it's just so much fun. He's a great guy. Anyway, live your best life, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, and he and he and listen, he does, and I am super happy for him. So anyway, we're gonna get into what we're here for tonight, and that is um, you had mentioned actually, I think on on our recording for your show that mm-hmm. a lot of the horror movies. They're out there are to a degree based on real real crimes and real um offenders of crimes or and by. right right mm-hmm. and so you said that you know because of your your malice podcast and I know that's not the name but you know <laughs> um <laughs> my podcast de malice yeah there you go I'll go that way because then I don't feel so <laughs> wrong um. But because of that, you've done a lot of research into these, into some of these mm-hmm. crimes, and so you were you would be able to kind of like connect the two for us. And sure, you know, Rico loves talking horror movies, and I don't, but I like talking crime. So I think this is a good combination. So I agree. Um, we'll, I don't know. We'll triangulate nicely. I yeah. Or, or Rico and I will just give each other the finger the whole night. So either way, it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Let's I don't. I, I honestly don't know which which one to start with, Rico. I know Zodiac's your baby, so maybe we start there. Well, actually, I was going to start with the one who kind of is usually a good template to to make a horror movie icon, and that's Ed, Ed Gein. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he is one of the most popularly featured in horror films because his crimes basically were... Okay, so when we get on the topic of Gein... A lot of people think, oh, he was a serial killer. That technically is correct if we count his brother who died in really suspicious circumstances. Mm. However, he had a body count of two women. The rest of the bodies that were used to create basically his house of horrors um, and, you know, his skin suit were exhumed from... From okay. cemeteries, so he was he was a, he was a grave robber, mm-hmm. but and but you're right. I, I wouldn't call him a serial killer because I think it's got to be three minimum. Technically, at this point, it's two or more, according to the FBI. I, I mean, I I look at it as if okay, if it's two plus maybe some near misses, then I I kind of can get on board. But like he so literally just had two, so he, just, he was just an underachiever. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate across the board. <laughs> I'm actually got. I, so what? I, my role in this this episode is going to be a researcher. Not that you haven't done your research, Ariel, but like Rico and I, like whenever we start talking about things, like to bring it up and immediately mm-hmm. have data in front of us. So I've I've sure. already got Gein up on our our wiki. I do find it. Um, 
very interesting that while he may not be a serial killer, he might be one of the most famous murderers in Definitely. history. Um, Definitely. And yet, fucking cancer took him down. So I think that's, you know, normally my opinion on cancer is fuck cancer, but I'll I'll give you the, the win on this one. <laughs> to be fair, you know, most serial killers that end up in jail usually die of cancer. Like, you know, Dahmer, I think, died of cancer. Oh, no, 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 he no, was, no. He was beaten to death, wasn't he, or something? He was killed by he other was... inmates. He was bludgeoned to death with a metal pole. See, I um, know my shit. <laughs> I know there was someone else who died of cancer. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Plenty yeah. of them. Yeah, plenty. I think, I think my point is they usually die in prison. It's not yes. really necessarily. Yes. No, a, he was, and, he, and Dean was in a mental institution, technically. It was the Mendota or Mendata Mental Health Institute in Wisconsin, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you already knew, Ariel, but I'm just letting the audience know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but. Yeah. No, by all means, if you have, you know, if you make points clarifying, I'm not going to assume they're for me, but everybody listening is not necessarily a true crime. Exactly. Junkie, so, yeah. Um, you know, so one of the things that was really unusual about Gein is he had this pathological relationship with his mother, Augusta. And basically his father was this drunken, you know, waste of space, more or less. And his mother, on the other hand, was hyper-religious, like fanatical. Mm -hmm. And she would basically make the boys, she wouldn't let them have friends outside of the home. Um, She would rant and rave about how evil and wicked the world was, but particularly women, right? Mm. Women were the worst of the worst of the worst. They were unclean. They were all whores except her. Right. Okay. And I'm using her words, by the way. I don't. I don't like the use the word whore. I don't use it. Sure. Um, but definitely, that's what she was saying, and that is a pretty loaded word, right? We're thinking loose, immoral, etc. All those things that come charged with that word. And so this child is basically growing up thinking his mother is the only person worth knowing, right? And when he has a sexual awakening. And begins to find himself attracted to women, he has this immense guilt because his mother has instilled in him that these that those thoughts are wrong, right. that they are that they make him evil by proxy. And um and that these attractions, these feelings that, that he has for these girls, these girls are basically demonic. Like there's nothing that he should so he has this conflicted sense of like I really kind of want to bang. And at the same time, like I can't even have friends, much less a girlfriend because having a girlfriend is so utterly wrong, you know? So how do you, how do you kind of juggle or contend with that? And when we see that play out, like as he gets older, the reason that he's grave robbing, the reason that he ends up killing these women and exsanguinating them and basically, and, and, searching specifically for women who are heavier because that would mean that upon starving them, the skin would become looser and stretchier would be easier to remove. Um, and he'd have more to work with. So basically, you know, the reason he was doing this is because he had basically entombed his mother, uh, her room, right? Like untouched since she died. Um, he could not possibly exhume her body because he felt that that was wrong, that that was some sort of breach of, of everything that would have been dear to her. 
His morals are a little weird in my book, but I mean, <laughs> a l- little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the the woman's suit I get, but you know, well, and that's that's the thing though. He wanted to, and his reasoning that he himself gave for his crimes is that he wanted to create a suit of women's skin so he could basically crawl inside it and become his mother. So basically, if you're if you're listening to this and you know even just uh, the generic basic horror films, this is the inspiration for not only Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. but Psycho, Ella Norma yep. Bates, and his mother, Norma Bates, right. and uh, put the lotion of the basket, uh, fucking Buffalo Bill from Silence of, Silence of the Lambs. I have... I have the other things that he inspired as well, Rico, if you want me to re- list it off real quick. I actually have it those, right here. Those are the main three, but I'm no, sure he did. Let's hear it. No, for sure, for sure, Rico. No, no, not correcting you. I'm just adding to it for real. Um, there was a movie called Deranged from 1974. Don't know much about it. Gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that one. In the Light of the Moon from 2000. Mm-hmm. But in... No, that's the original title, but apparently it was released in America as Ed Gein. The movie's mm-hmm. just called mm-hmm. Ed Gein. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's Ed Gein, the Butcher of Plainfield. That's right. Kane Hodder, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't have the specifics on it, so I can't comment on that. Um, and then, actually, apparently the main character um, in both the House of, House of a Thousand Corpses and the Devil's Rejects were inspired by Gein as well. Right. Um, of course. You know, and then also this, because so for those who who pay attention to TV, there's a show called American Horror Story, and American Horror Story each Ugh. year does different themes with the same, generally with the same actors, but not always. And in the Asylum season, apparently was I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, <laughs> I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Mail's here. It's two minutes later than yesterday. And because you know it's six minutes earlier than the day before, you decided it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com. It's based on the character of Dr. Oliver from that season was based on Gein as well. Now, I would actually ask you a question, though, Ariel, because you and I mentioned sure. when, we, when we spoke the other day that we're both fans of Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a guy, and if you remember his name, I would appreciate your assistance because the character's name escapes me, but um, one of the Carradines played him, and it's not the guy from Kill Bill. Rico, who's the other Carradine? Keith. Keith Carradine plays him, I'm pretty certain. I'm going to look it up when I'm done. But he he kidnapped the um, the woman and then he lets her go and then he's traveling back and forth across America on I think Route sixty 
And he ends mm-hmm. up in the same place in Nevada every summer because he's visiting her, even though she doesn't know she's there. But he gives he gives her like a wind chime of bones made out of rib cages. Do you remember mm. that? Mm-hmm. I cannot remember the name of the character, but yes, but, I remember that wind chime. Right, and they they, sure. feat, they feature him twice. Once in the story I just told, and then I think a season or two later, when she escapes from him and goes to yes. New York. And yeah. they go to his old, find out he's originally from New York and go to his apartment and find his mother's body laying in the bed where she died like 20 years earlier. And he, to your point about what Gein did preserving, preserving the room, that's kind of right. what he, this character on Criminal Minds did. So I was wondering if you thought maybe he might be loosely inspired by Gein, if not more so. Oh, I would say absolutely he is. I mean, you know, if you listen to some of the true crime podcasts I do, um, several of the bigger ones have people who were FBI, right? Who okay. were members of the uh, behavioral analysis unit, uh, formerly the behavioral science unit. Jim Clemente is uh, an executive producer and writer on Criminal Minds. Yeah. And I, I cannot imagine that that character came out of anything less than, ooh, you know what we should do? <laughs> Right. Well, what's, Let's bring what's, Gein in. What's great about that show, without going into a long deep dive, is that they they might have done things like that, but they did it in a way that didn't immediately make you think Ed Gein or whatever other person they were inspiring right. from. They were really good at making it its own separate piece, and yet Absolutely. maybe still inspired by. Anyway, that's all I... I, I find it a, a little uh, interesting that Keith, if it is Keith Carradine, uh, who played a killer, uh, he I'm also played an agent on Dexter trying to hunt mm. down like a serial killer that's been eluding him for like 30 years. Actually, that's a good one real quick. If we could transition to that while I look up about, um, Carradine, are you familiar with Dexter? I'm assuming. Yes, Ariel. Yes. Okay. Rico's a bigger fan. I've actually never seen it, but is he inspired by anyone? <laughs> yes okay <actually. laughs> well let's 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 do that and okay if we have to circle back we will but let's go there is he is he just it just was he inspired by the average uh person in florida uh you know you think so but <laughs> not entirely actually dexter's a really interesting one because he is he is not only inspired killers but he has also uh, or I'm sorry, he is not only inspired by an actual killer, but he was also um, the inspiration for a killer. Um, so both were what in the world? Okay, I'm trying to do a quick search on this, and it is just not giving me anything. Um, yeah, so there's a guy just while I'm looking for the name of the original guy because I want to make sure I get it right. Um, there is a guy who is a Hollywood director. Uh, named uh, Mark Twitchell, and uh, originally born in Canada, who basically was obsessed with the show and decided that he wanted to be um, Dexter and sort of tried to make it happen. This is the guy who also claimed he had his own Dark Passenger. He understood Dexter's Dark Passenger, is that... Um, I'm not entirely sure that that's the same. I mean, I'd have to deep dive back into him. Um, let me see. I think it was Pedro. While you're, while you're looking very quickly, uh, Ariel, I just want to could circle back for a brief second because I did find it. It's definitely Keith Carradine. 
Caradine, Caradine. Okay. Um, his name is the character's name was Frank Breitkopf, but I only he we only really knew him as Frank anyway. They never really talked about his his last name that much. Um, his character on Dexter is also Frank. It's Frank Bundy. Well, and then ironically enough, he did a voice in the video game Hitman of a character named Dexter. So we're just going <laughs> full fucking circle here, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. Okay. And so I and found actually, the information. Oh, sorry. But real quick to your to just yeah. to, to wrap it up with him, just because we're playing this six degrees of whatever. Um, <laughs> he was he was in a Madonna video. So there's your Madonna reference from earlier. So we're all just yeah. Anyway, okay. We're just um, bringing it full circle. Full circle. I'm moving on. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, Dexter, the show, was actually based on an individual who was in Brazil. His name was uh, Pedro Filho, and he was, he killed what he termed as bad people. Um, he killed between 71 confirmed, but possibly upwards of 100 people, mm-hmm. um, as including you do. once he was in prison, um, he would target child rapists other rapists killers and slaughtered 43 people while inside nice yeah so um it was basically his victim type and his body count uh that led to um the show dexter uh they were the books first obviously well yeah so they uh that was a real thing though this guy who targeted other killers and violent offenders. So kind of an interesting case, you know, you get you in reading about him and in looking into him, it's really bizarre because you find yourself kind of rooting for him a little, except that he's also vicious and horrible. (laughs) What was the name that you said, Ariel? I apologize. I missed it when you said it. It's um, Pedro Filho and it's F I L H O. No, I'm only asking because um, I'm again just looking at, at Wiki, and this is not m- me arguing against you, your data, but there's a, there's information here that says the prosecutors. Uh, oh no no no! Um, I misread that. Okay, they're j- they're just talking about another real crime that took place. It was kind of inspired by, not not the other way mm-hmm. around. Okay, my fault. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. There's a lot to sift through with this stuff. So <laughs> yeah, there is. It's really, it's really kind of intriguing, though. I'm finding it interesting, and I'm having fun like doing these quick data searches while we're while sure. we're chatting. So well, and I wanted to revisit something with Gein just real quick for anybody who's really not familiar, and it's kind of mind blowing if if you're not. But not everybody digs into the details. Um, what made Gein's home so horrifying is that apart from his mother's room which was barricaded closed um he basically became i don't know the most crafty diy serial killer ever where it came to reupholstery coming making lampshades belts out of human nipples um you know he had an entire box full of um skinned and dried vaginas that was an interesting little tidbit for anybody (laughs) out there yeah right uh now, again, only killed two people that were 100% on, right. but he was digging up bodies of freshly buried people and then taking them apart to create everything from, like, skull bowls to, you know, seats made out of stretched human skin. I mean, this is 
there's a level of insanity or psychosis there that's hard to even fathom, which is why I think he's such an easy one to base these uh, horror films on, these characters on, right? So You must have made a fucking fortune on Etsy. Uh, one would think, yeah. I mean, well, frankly, this is disturbing as fuck, so get ready. Right. <laughs> um, there is a huge, huge market for murderabilia from the Gein crime scene. Yeah, I'm so sorry. there are people who literally own pieces of skin from these crime scenes. It's I don't know how you have something like that sitting in like a cabinet, you know, with like a glass front cabinet next to your dining table. I'm not I don't understand it. I don't get it. It would I go. But yeah, people do and they pay fortune for it. Oh, so. look, I, I find circumcision fucking barbaric. I, I you know, something like <laughs> hard same. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and and you know, whatever your religious beliefs are uh, in terms of circumcision, I do know some cultures actually still hold on to the foreskin. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a – and even then, I'm just kind of like, that's that's weird. Like, <laughs> that's just – Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like the – there are two types of, of people who collect things like human skin and human teeth. And they are serial killers and parents. Mm. Yeah, I mean a lock a lock of hair is another <laughs> thing too. Like, yeah. oh, it's yeah. my thing. You know, you look, you look. It depends on what's in the context of the photo album, or right. you know, or if it's newspaper clippings, you're a serial killer. If it's <laughs> if it's baby photos, you're a parent. <laughs> but if there's a lock of hair, you might be both possibly yeah actually interesting interestingly um and this might segue to a different type of movie um because of the crimes associated but a friend of mine really wanted to hear back from charles manson and so she wrote him a letter and she was like i've got to come up with something that's going to grab his attention right so she basically wrote a letter as if she was some kind of like crazy fangirl and sent a lock of her hair like, huh. like hot glued it, braided the whole nine. And apparently Manson wore it for a week until the prison guards took it away from him. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the weirdest fucking story I think I've ever heard from somebody that I actually know personally. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's, that's kind of, I don't I well, know. you know, and, and it, in a in a well, I mean, it's it's no, it's not nuttier than Manson. I mean, it's just kind of no. And in, I mean, in, in an interesting related note, Rico was not a, and it's not a horror movie, just to be to be clear. But he was not a fan of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just didn't. I just didn't think it deserved as much praise as everybody else did. Everybody, <laughs> everybody was blowing the fuck out of that movie, and I was just like. It's fine, but I could find better Tarantino films. Well, yeah, and I'm not, yeah, and I'm I not could... here to get into that debate. But I mean, part of your your thing was that the movie would have been fine without the Manson aspect. Like you could have left that whole section out, and it still would have been a perfectly fine I just, movie. I was more kind of like, why introduce Charles Manson at all? He he didn't do anything really in the film. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I was like, I just thought the the way. I mean, look. 
just like how I have with any movie, when you're first watching a movie in a big, you know, screen theater kind of environment, you're sucked into the movie and you like what you're watching, especially if it's a Tarantino film, you're, you're sucked in. Oh my God. He threw a can of dog food at a woman's face. That's crazy. Oh my God. That motherfucker got torched by a fucking flamethrower in the pool. Oh my God. This is nuts. And then you like, you leave the theater and you're like, wait, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, it was awesome, but it was kind of awful on a fucking grand scheme of things you know and and i was like you know it's it's really fucked up because at no point will i ever say sharon tate deserved to be murdered but i kind of felt like changing that aspect of history was almost more disrespectful to sharon tate and 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 the other victims of of the manson family i felt like changing history was kind of just like well of course we want sharon tate to live but right. like she didn't, right. and and I get the title is the open is the whole point. It's once upon a time. It's a fairy tale. It's not yeah. supposed to be factual. But look, it's one thing if if Tarantino has Hitler getting riddled with bullets, and and we all wanted that. Right, that's fine. That's when you could fuck with history. But like you know, the Manson murders is forty years old. It's it's. Well, and it's it's not the same, you know, when you think in Glorious Bastards, you're taking somebody who wasn't killed and killing the shit out of them because they're a horrible, horrible historical fig- figure. Right, right. But keeping someone alive who did tragically lose their life is not the same. I mean, there's kind of a, I don't know, there's a there, disconnect there, there, is a, there. There is a huge difference, and I'm not, and I, in no way am I trying to be insensitive. I just, No, not at all. I just... I don't know. I felt like Leo's character should have actually died. I felt, I, if anything, I felt like the movie ended one scene too short. I would have expanded. I would have mm-hmm. said, okay, all these Manson members got the fuck kicked out of them. And mm-hmm. then have the next scene where DiCaprio is welcome to the Tates and the Polanski's household. He's now starting to schmooze with the Hollywood that he really wanted to. And then have the other Manson members show up at that doorstep and he gets killed in the middle of it. So yeah. he becomes eclipsed. History happens. And, and you know, because we don't know who the fuck Rick Dalton is because he doesn't fucking exist. Right. I mean, he's he's basically a, you know, uh, an, what, an inspiration of what, Clint Eastwood? You know, Clint Eastwood's uh, cowboy career in the 50s before he actually became a star. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could even say like, oh, Rick Dalton died, but then he like changed his name and became Clint Eastwood. Something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like it was just it's 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 not my least favorite. It's just not nearly my favorite. I, sure. I felt I still think True Romance is probably one of his best works. And he didn't even fucking direct it. So which is weird. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't mean to go that far. I, but hey, that's my fault. So I'll take no, it. Um, look, look, I'm here for rabbit holes. Um, I did want to mention something else, though. I love, okay, one of my top favorite movies of all time is Silence of the Lambs, right? And we know that Buffalo Bill is based on Gein, right? He keeps mm-hmm. women in his, like, whatever, pit. And we're sure keeps we're them lotioning them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to mention a couple of things that people, <clears throat> this is a really easy one to make that connection to Gein, right? What people forget about is there's a connection to another very, very big serial killer that nobody ever talks about. 
And so I want to bring that up. Okay. All right. So the, bear with the, me. the killing floor is yours. <laughs> Absolutely. Have have either of you guys heard of this guy? Uh, oh, fuck. What's his name? Ted Bundy. Yeah. Oh, uh, that motherfucker? Yeah. Isn't that yeah, the guy that so, sat on the couch with his hand down his pants and yelled at his family all day? Close. Really close, actually. Um, <laughs> but no. There was... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. That was, that was Al. Yeah, um, he was... Okay, got it, yeah. Got Cousins, it. Yeah, maybe. No. Yeah. So similar, though. So similar. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so <clears throat> there are two ways in which Bundy actually inspired this book, then turned movie. One is that Bundy would use a ruse in in luring his victims, and it was getting them to help him with something, which is right. exactly how we see um, the scene with the van, where mm -hmm. she's helping and kind of getting in there, and then she's closed in and abducted. Um, that's exactly how Bundy would do things, you know? Um, so, and, and of course, Bundy typically was in this little tan VW bug that he'd taken the inside. The, I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, <laughs> I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a home decor overspender. Hi, Joe! I made a breakthrough. I found HomeSense. It's unreal. So many brand name sofas. I bought one. Oh, wow, really? It's okay. The price is so low. Lighting, unexpected. Rugs, handcrafted. Wall art, eclectic. I go back like every week. <gasps> no, it's always different. New unique decor, same great savings. Every time you go. Field trip! HomeSense, standout pieces, outstanding prices. I'd uh, handles off of the passenger seat so you couldn't open the door from the inside. But uh, yeah, really, really fucking horrifying way to do things. And that was straight out of his book. Yeah. The other way that Bundy is connected to this is actually um, in real life, the FBI went and consulted with Bundy when they were trying to track down Gary Ridgway, who was the Green River Valley killer. Mm -hmm. um, they had similar MOs and Bundy was the one who was like, here's what you need to do. He's going to revisit his crime scenes. You need to stage this. You need to wait for it, all of this stuff. And so going to Hannibal Lecter as this intelligent guy, who's going to have insight into what this guy is doing. That's straight out of Bundy's book too. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But ha Hannibal Lecter was not explicitly based on Bundy. There there no. are similarities for sure. But I mean I don't even I mean I know Thomas Harris eventually revealed that Lecter was kind of inspired by so it was like an Argentinian serial killer or something. But he all for years Harris kept it kind of moot. Like, right. Right. And there's there's a lot of differences but between the Hannibal Lecter in the, the book. As well as the, the reason, the reason that I pull that particular thing, um, and it's not just conjecture, <clears throat> Clarice Starling's character was based on Mary Ellen O'Toole, who was one of the very first female behavioral analysis unit um, supervisory special agents. Mm. And she was the one who got the confession out of Ridgeway. Oh. So, 
Um, so, I mean, I'm not like pulling it out of my ass. I promise. Like, oh, but he really no, 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 was no, part not. of the inspiration for Lecter. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, 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 I know, you know, your shit, That's, but you know, just, I'm not, well, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. No, no, of course not. Incomplete information is incomplete information. You don't know what you don't know. So, you know, the fact that there were other people involved, absolutely. I mean, this was a work of fiction, right? You're not going to rip a character directly if you're good at what you do. <laughs> it, is, right? it, is, it is interesting what Thomas Harris did to the character of Hannibal Lecter because in the books, which is a joke that CJ and I have said every time I... Well, no, we did a whole, no. It was only for that one series. But, but I brought it up since. You have. Where, yeah. But, yeah. We did a she, whole... I Harry love Potter. when you fight. <laughs> that seems we to be everyone's whole, favorite part of the show. We well, we wouldn't have a podcast. I mean, who the fuck wants to hear us agree? Yeah, yeah. It's There's like, hey man, you like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. Great, that was a great episode. Now let's move on. <laughs> yes, um, seriously, one of the worst episodes that uh, my best friend Haley and I ever did of Doc Picks, which is the podcast we do where we watch a documentary and then talk about it. One of the worst episodes was one where we were like, we both loved Lady Gaga, and we watched Five Foot Two, which is the you know, basically the documentary about her life. And we were just like, oh my God. And that scene where she was in this thing and like, oh my, isn't she amazing? And like the whole time, that's all it is. <laughs> and it was terrible. Terrible. I think we actually dropped it from the feed because we were like, this is just us like jacking off to <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um I Well we did I... a Harry Potter episode and yeah. uh-huh. He hadn't read the books. So okay. every time we were talking about the differences of the movies, I would say, well, in the books. And then now it's become like, hey, if you listen to this episode and you turn into a drinking game, you may die from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yeah, he, he says it a lot during that recording. So I. Well, I, it's hard yeah. to say, like, because you haven't read the fucking books. But anyways, Hannibal no, I, Lecter. <laughs> uh, the Hannibal Lecter in the books is very different than the. Anthony Hopkins or the Mass Miggleson or even the fucking Ed uh, Norton, right? Brian Cox. I thought Ed Norton played Ed, him in Edward Norton played a Edward Norton played a, an FBI agent. Okay. In Red Dragon. He didn't play Hannibal Lecter. Okay, my fault. Yep. Although I would watch the shit out of that movie if Edward Norton played Hannibal Lecter. Right. Holy fuck. It would just Definitely. Be, it would just be his character from like uh Birdman, just like eating people. Just mm-hmm. Angry as fuck and and sophisticated and, p- and getting pissed off. There's not real vodka on stage with him. I <laughs> when you're ready, Rico, finish your point. But I I have some data about the real life inspiration that you had brought up for Lecter. Okay. So yeah. Well, I mean Hannibal in, in your books, Hannibal Lecter has <laughs> six fucking fingers on one hand, I believe, mm-hmm. and he also like his eyes are maroon. And he had, I mean, the way he describes him, you're like, you're watching, you're like, I can kind of see that as Hannibal Lecter, because most people now, when they, you know, they, they watch the movie, then they read the book and you're just like, what the fuck? He's got six. What the, why? And then when he, he wrote Hannibal Rising and it's like, okay, he's Lithuanian and half Italian and he, oh, he ate, spoiler, he ate his sister when, but she was fed to him during World War II, during a soup. And he didn't know. And that's why he likes to eat people. Wait, what the fuck? What the fuck did I just read? What? <laughs> and then you watch the movie. You're like, 
wow, you somehow managed to make a book worse on screen. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, give give me give, tell well, me tell me about Hannibal, CJ. Well, no, what Ariel? What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, generally speaking, there's there's not much that's accurate about Silence of the Lambs, whether it's the book or the movie. Um, <laughs> y- you know, <laughs> the, first of all, a an agent in training, regardless of how talented they were, would never have been sent in to talk to this person. No, the no. profile of Hannibal Lecter is almost impossible from a point of view of of um the the psychology the social psychology that goes into serial killers um there are just way too many components that are thrown into this one person that they're a, a an amalgamation of so many different killers it, it's just overly complicated um he's the procedures, monkey in the study yeah basically i mean it would it would be you know, the entire way the, the investigation is handled is completely <laughs> asinine. However, uh, most of the FBI agents who were a part of, like, helping consult on it were like, no, I, I loved it. It's not accurate, but I loved it. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I think about that, too, in terms of the book and how we so often get this picture in our head of, like, what a serial killer is supposed to look like. Right. Right. And we think of it as some kind of sinister, snaggly, gross, I don't know, or or some overly smooth dude with like aviator glasses and like a molestache. Right. <laughs> like, you don't. <laughs> and it, everybody in the 70s is just a serial killer. Is by, is by Every single fucking one. <laughs> and if you grew up as a kid in the 90s, I don't know how old you all are. OK. But like, if you grew up as a kid in the 90s, um, we were all expecting to get kidnapped at any moment, like by a stranger. Stranger like, danger. I'm yep. 20. Yep. I'm 29. And okay. I'm, oh, I'm, you're a baby. And I'm 40. So. Oh, OK. So I'm like right sandwiched <laughs> in the middle of you guys. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you're a baby. And then you're like, I'm 40. She's like, oh, OK. <laughs> no, I'm I'm look, I'm yeah. I'm like right in the middle of a pot of skew sandwich. It's yes, you are. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't you know, know if Steph would appreciate that, but we'll we'll go with it. You know, I don't know. If <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. Um. To go with what you're saying, you're you're right. And for Sons of the Lambs as an example, it has that buildup as Clarice is walking down. To, this is like the cells of the most dangerous, fucked up, great motherfucker right. in the hospital. And there's we see a chair at the end. And, you know, Barney put a chair out. You know, for her. And, she's, mm-hmm. and she looks and she sees a dude muttering to himself. And then there's another dude just kind of staring at her as another dude who's, you know, I can smell your cunt. Oh, well, fucking nice to meet you, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds then, me just real, real quick. OK, sorry. Sorry. Just total aside. But I remember my theater teacher in high school did roll call one day and then called me into her office. And I went into her office like you do when you're called and she was just like so during roll call somebody smelled unclean and it was a girl and i was like oh god (laughs) wow so just to the point of clarice please take us back into the moment yeah rico please circle back and get us out of that somehow no no my 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 fucking question first Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> no, no, no. 
no, just moving forward. Let's just move forward. Uh, moving on. Um. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Like, um, girls, girls, clean, clean up, clean up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you're killing Rico here. It's kind of funny to me, but you're killing Rico. <laughs> Do you need a minute of money? Are you all right, Rico? So, someone asked me what my favorite period movie was, and I told them Carrie. All right. Um. <laughs> That's priceless. <laughs> All right. Also stealing it. Thanks. Yes. Feel feel free. Feel free. Um. So then we get to. So we're watching fucking Migsy going like I can smell your ha 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 ha, and <laughs> and then it, it, and then we're like, well, all these like who the fuck's going to be end of this hall? Uh, uh, hall and and it's it's fucking. Oh, good morning. How are you? Like what the fuck? And you're like you watch you, the first time you watch it. The first time I watched it. I was like, even though I knew it was going to be Anthony Hopkins, you know, mm-hmm. when you watch a movie years later and you know the kind of pop culture, there's really very little surprise. Sure. So you, I know he's going to fucking be there, and, and he's going to be his charming self. You know, self. I mean, he's the most. You have to at least acknowledge he's the nicest fucking serial killer in in cinema. Very yeah. polite. I, would I mean, he'll, I yeah. mean, he's British, so he's Lithuanian and Italian. But he's British, so. Rico's a stickler for regions. Don't, don't, please. Look, Sir Anthony Hopkins. He's fucking British. He's actually fucking Welsh. Well, fine. Oh! Okay. All right. All right. Children. Also, 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 I have a Welsh friend. I have a Welsh friend. And she taught me how to say a word in Welsh. And it's adorable. Yeah. Kutch. Kutch. It means hug. Okay, I was afraid it meant worse things, so I'm. I'll take it. That's a victory. No. How do you forward. spell it? How do you spell it? Is it C W? It's C W T C H. So where does the phlegm go? <laughs> um, Stop I have to it. ask her. Her name is Jolene. Oh. Isn't Jolene. that the best? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, what movie was that from? Now you made me think of something. God damn you, Rico. There's a movie. The, oh, oh no no it's it's from Jeff Dunham's stand up from the first time he ever introduced introduces Ahmed. He's, mm. he the phlegm, how, the phlegm thing. Yeah, he goes. He oh. asks him how to spell your name. He goes A C phlegm. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I fucking love That's that. Funny. Anyway, um, I, I I got nothing else. Well, I I, I don't know. I what. have some data on. The inspiration for Lecter that you had mentioned earlier, Rico, I, I did some digging, so I've, I've got some names here for you. So apparently, um, just for citation purposes, everything that we're pulling today is basically coming either from IMDb or Wikipedia, unless I say otherwise. Um, so apparently Harris went was working as a reporter before, I guess, he started writing movies. Um, mm-hmm. And books. he... What? Before he was writing or books. books. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. And he went down to Mexico to interview a gentleman who had been on death row in Mexico for murdering three people himself. Um, but he ended up sending speaking to a gentleman named Sal- Salazar. And Salazar had saved this other gentleman's life from when he got shot by a guard. And then Salazar started telling Harris about the things that he had done. And mm-hmm. ultimately, Salazar, years later... 
it turns out was Alfredo Bale Trevino, uh, a mm-hmm. physician from an upper class Monterey family who was found guilty of murdering his close friend and lover Jesus Rangel and mutilating his body. He's also suspected of killing and dismembering several hitchhikers in the city outskirts in the 50s and 60s. So there's your primary uh, inspiration. However, there's also something here from a Charlotte Gregg. She wrote a book called Evil Serial Killers, and it says that Albert Fish was also in part. <laughs> Did I? Sorry. That's all right. Was Albert in, Fish is disgusting. <laughs> was the inspiration in part for Lecter? Uh, yeah. So that that would add a real different dimension to the understanding of Hannibal Lecter. Um, Albert Fish was a very oh, yeah. he was a true (laughs) sadomasochist and um typically when you have people who are sad sadists like holy shit what sorry i i I pulled him up while you were now reading about him yeah three confirmed murders but anywhere between nine and over a hundred possible yes uh he was the vampire of brooklyn here's a fun fact when they did his post-mortem autopsy is that who is that who Eddie Murphy played? No. Wait. No. No. Look, here is the thing though. So, brace yourselves. In the autopsy, they found in in his scrotum <laughs> um oh no. over a, a hundred straight pins that he'd inserted himself over the years and lived with. Wow. <laughs> He turned himself into a fucking human pincushion? Yeah, that wasn't it. I'm just giving you a highlight. Uh, <laughs> the man was absolutely Can disgusting. we go back to your fucking weird drama teacher? Because that was more valuable. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So. Oh my god. It puts the lotion on the skin. Oh my god. Why oh are we talking man. about this shit? The... Hey, you guys invited me on to do just this. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Uh, Without getting into more of it, but Ariel, the ages of his victims, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, He was, he worked at a bunch of of camps and things for disenfranchised youth. Particularly, Particularly children of colors. And one of the reasons that he expressed for that, especially in the time that he lived, is that they were basically what in the true crime world we would refer to as quote less dead end quote right Mm. this is the same argument that we have for people like sex workers you know nobody cares if they go missing um and so a lot of his victims were children of colors and they were children who were developmentally delayed um but one of his most famous victims of course was a cute little white girl named grace bud and he actually wrote a letter to her parents after he had killed her and eaten her and described it in detail, but then assured them at the end of the letter, don't worry, she died a virgin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rico, do you want to know how yeah. old she was when she died? Because that makes it even more disgusting. Yeah, but I'm going to take the headphones. I can go ahead and share it. She was 10. I still heard it. That's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and there's yeah, no, there's worse great. ones. There's worse ones on the list. I I won't do that to you, buddy. But there, we'll put it this way: tens, the higher end of his range of age. Yep. So, um, 
what sucks is that I'm I've seen a lot of horror movies and and I'm right. I can I can I can kind of sense and tell who he inspired. Going back to Lecter, it is mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind that he probably at least in part was an inspiration to Mason Verger. Mm-hmm. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town, and now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. Who Gary Oldman played in Hannibal. Because Mm. in the books, um, (laughs) he uh, came from a wealthy family, and he... His family supported like a summer camp, and he was—it was like a Christian camp, and he was allowed to. I don't know if he ate anybody. He didn't go the lecture route, but he definitely. I mean, how the fuck? Uh, Ariel, when, when exactly did that come out? Hannibal. Uh, what you're talking about—the character that was played by Gary Oldman. The movie, I think, is 2001. The book is probably okay. late 90s, 99. Well. There's also a part of me that thinks that there may be a root there in Rodney Alcala, who was a really nasty piece of work as well. Um, He basically posed as a fashion photographer to lure women and girls, mostly girls, into getting the pictures taken, although boys as well. Um, And there was a period of time where he just basically like, he was already on the FBI's most wanted list. Okay. This guy was a gnarly motherfucker. So he just changed his name and moved to a different state and went to school and didn't even go underground. He was just out and about just, you know, living his best life. Uh, and he took a job as a drama camp counselor so he was basically surrounded with preferential victims summer after summer after summer while he was in school in college at NYU. Uh, it, <laughs> I got I mean I don't I don't want to get into more on this guy not not because of anything but just I don't want to get us too far off topic but Sure. Fish Fish is a Jesus. That's really all yeah. I can say. Like no, this... no, 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 no. Fish is not a Jesus. No. All right. Fair. I got it. You're right. That's 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 a fair correction. Thank you. Um, yeah. But... As an atheist, I felt compelled to fucking correct you on that. Yeah. Same. Actually, um, Rico, here's a movie. Here's a way to kind of bring us back a back around um, for both you guys, actually, because Ariel, you do your, your crime show, but you also do your documentary show. So apparently there was a documentary about fish in 2007 by a guy named John Borowski. It doesn't say the name of the film, but that was done. And then also in that same year, I believe, I believe the documentary was just called Albert fish. Oh, and it may be, it just doesn't give it listed here. So I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, terrific. A movie I won't watch. Well, here's a movie you yeah, might have my seen. My husband, my husband, literally came home, and our living room is like right there. When you walk in the door, walks in to 
a dramatic reading of his letter to Grace Bud's parents mm. and immediately turned around and was like, nope, and just left again, like <laughs> hopped in his car and drove away. And I was like, yeah, this one's tough for even me to stomach. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I mean, I, I, I can approach it clinically. And then, no, and I mean, then... I, I can approach these things clinically, which is one of the reasons that I do it, because I feel like, you know, I can put on my scholar hat or my, you know, whatever, and kind of be like, okay, I'm going to disengage from feeling the things that the victims go through. But that is a part of my process in doing yeah. my podcast is that I have to sit with that pain, you know, especially sure. once I've gotten through the anal the analytical part, I need to sit with that pain and feel as much of it as I possibly can. So, um, but yeah, I'm able to kind of compartmentalize and disengage. So I know that a lot of what I will bring up is going to be rough yeah, no, for, for people sure. Who don't do that. Well, and and then that same year, the documentary documentary Rico. There's a movie you might. There's an actual movie where he, the character was in. Um, movie about him actually called The Gray Man, also in 2007, and it was uh, Patrick Bashow Bashow is who plays him. Um, not real familiar with him. He's from. He's a born in belgium it's really the only brief thing i'm getting pulled up here but anyway i just thought because rico you see those obscure movies sometimes so i thought maybe you might have seen it that's all uh sometimes i mean not not often um so who knew ed gein would be the fucking light part of this goddamn yeah, oh, yeah i know i know but there are you know if you want to shift to a completely different kind of true crime type story sure uh yeah well, so does it inspire uh, a movie that's the that's the that's our connection today so so yeah um what do you guys know about the background of child's play um i know in part of the the, the biggest craze was obviously the cabbage patch kids okay and and the the constant buying and the craze for it and everything. But I mean, I know that Charles Lee Ray is named after three separate serial killers or three mm -hmm. men of murder. Let's put it because one of them is Lee Harvey Oswald and you know, that's debatable. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, one being, I would say if, if I was looking at those, Charles would be Manson. Right. Yeah. And then I'd say David Parker, Ray, the toy box killer. Well, the, it's Charles Lee Ray. So Right. So Charles for Charles Manson, Lee for Lee Harvey Oswald, and then David Parker Ray would be Oh David Parker what Ray. What I think would be for the last one. I don't know for sure, but it, it, you're you're prob <laughs> you are probably right. All I know <laughs> I'm the type of guy that I'm like, oh Brad Dorf played him. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, who's that? <laughs> he, uh you watched Lord of the Rings? I Okay, you're gonna. You're probably no, no, no. no. Just... I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not really a fan. I was just. That was the first thing that I thought of was like, how do I fucking tell you who Brad Dorif is? So, um. Oh, yeah, have, okay. Have you so seen was... Goofy's List? Yes. Okay. Billy Bivitt. Oh, okay. All hey. right, I got you. <laughs> See, that was easy. <laughs> Yeah, no, just just bring up the fucked up film. I mean, like Ooh. Lord of the Rings is a little too. He's Lord of the Rings is entirely fucked up. Well, in, here, okay, so hear me out, and please don't terminate this interview immediately and just never talk to me again. <laughs> I fell asleep 
during like a friend of mine had them in like the hour and a half set of like all of the episodes or uh movie whatever you know what whatever the fuck and i don't speak movie so there's <laughs> during the no, first hour and a half no, one i fell creep. asleep <laughs> i speak fluent creep yes yeah. <laughs> i absolutely do <laughs> you fell asleep. i look to be fair when i first saw lord of the rings i didn't understand either i never read the book so lord of the rings mm. is one of those geek things that i'm just like i mean i get it i don't love sure. it but i get it you know sure hey. yeah for sure. No, uh, and, and you know, the, the worst part of it, though, is when people are like, you fell asleep. How did you fall asleep? And I'm like, I honestly can't tell you because I have a sleep disorder that has led me to sleeping roughly two to four hours a night since I was 10. So I really don't know how this put me to sleep, but it did. Well, now you know what you need if you ever get that exhausted. You just put it back on. Agreed. You're good to go. So yeah, that or that or Pirates of the Caribbean, apparently, because it did oh, the same thing. That's where you hurt me a little bit, but that's all right. Anyway. Yeah, I got. I got. I mean, it, the first three I like. If you were falling asleep over, shut the fuck up, CJ. I know I don't really need to get into a goddamn <laughs> argument about. <laughs> And if you'd like to hear that <laughs> argument, you guys can listen to our parts of the Caribbean episode. Yeah, that's way true. To plug. We, we, way we, to pl- yeah. always be plugging. Oh, always, well, I, always yeah. be plugging. <laughs> always be plugging. I just imagine Alec Baldwin saying that shit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. ABC, <laughs> baby. Um, you know, uh, just just to give you one other source of a movie that I've seen this guy in. Um, he was in Murder. Uh-huh. In the, he was in Murder in the First, which is a great fucking mm-hmm. movie. I love that movie. So, and I, I mean, I've seen. Um. Obviously, the um, Lord of the Lord Rings. I've seen Lord of the Rings, so I I know mm-hmm. I know he's there too. But anyway, I just thought that would. But anyway, I wanted to. So explain per- to me Child's Play. Explain yeah. to CJ. Really. Oh, okay. So this is not exactly true crime, but it is eerie. Okay. Sure. So I think you guys will get a kick out of it. I will. So <laughs> Chucky, Chucky, the lovable scamp of uh, Child's Play is uh, based on uh, a situation that's even creepier than the movie, if you can believe it. So he was basically this stuffed doll that was uh, an, a straw stuffed, by the way, dressed in a sailor suit. He had black button eyes. And, oh, I know uh, who the fuck you're talking about. Robert the doll. Robert yeah. the motherfucking doll. Good Yeah. God. So this doll was originally owned by Robert Jean Otto, who went by Jean, and the boy named him after himself after he received it as a gift. And there's a debate on who gave the doll to Jean, but the, I mean, okay, so basically the most common story is it was a present from one of his family servants who was a mistreated woman who practiced voodoo, okay? Oh, that's a creepy looking fucking doll. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Jean absolutely loved this doll and took him everywhere and developed this bond that was so deep that he even began like whispering to the doll and telling it secrets. Okay. So his parents were fine with this. He was an only child, whatever. This doll was like his, you know, his security blanket, basically, like and his imaginary friend or whatever. Right. But they became concerned when they started hearing a deep voice answering Jean back. And it, they would have these, like, loud and aggressive arguments. And then as soon as his parents would open the door, hearing the stuff, they'd find Gene alone with the doll. And Gene would be, like, over in a corner cowering. 
And then we find out that Gene grew up to be Jeff Dunham. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just him doing the voices himself. Well, and here's the really freaky part, though, is that Gene's other toys started being found ripped apart. Furniture that he couldn't have moved was overturned. His parents saw glimpses of a small figure running around the house out of the corner of their eye. And anytime any of these crazy things happened, his response was always, Robert did it. Okay? So, real how, fucked up. How old is Gene in this? He was he was a little boy. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think I'm he received seen... this doll when he was like five or six or something like I, that. I'm, so... I'm trying to get it for you right now. I, I have the history of the doll up, but it's not giving me an okay. age in which he was given the doll. Um... Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, Okay, so Gene grows up, right? But he, and he even, like, got married and started a career. He was adulting at this point in time, but he still took the fucking doll with him, all right? Creepy. So the doll was said to have, have like, some kind of strange hold on him, okay? And he would, like, place demands on Gene, uh, including, from his wife's recounting, he wanted a, quote, spot with a view of the street, end quote, and so Gene propped him up in the fucking window of his house as an adult, okay? <laughs> and people would report that, you know, when they were walking by, they would notice this doll making frightening faces or vanishing before their eyes, okay? <laughs> so he didn't listen to any of this. He was just like, eh, fuck it. Like, I love this doll. And he kept it in his care until his death in 1974. And then there's a woman, Myrtle Ritter, who bought Gene's house after his death and donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Yeah. Because, of course, it's Florida. It's fucking Florida. God damn it. It's always Florida. And he's been on exhibit since 1994. So despite being behind a glass case, he, apparently he wreaks more havoc than ever before. Okay. So hundreds of people visit him every single week and are required to ask his permission. They're asking the permission of a fucking doll before snapping a photo of him. And those who don't have reported terrible misfortune, including car accidents, breakups, health scares, leading them to write, I cannot make this up, apology letters to a fucking doll. Okay? (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, you're saying we have to ask permission to take a picture. He didn't give them a fucking answer. So it's not like, he's like, hey, can I take a photo of you? Silence. Cool. Okay, that must be, <laughs> uh, yeah, silence must be, you know, silence I bet that's if a yes. is fucking golden, right? Or maybe it's just like mulling it over or some shit. Or maybe it's just bullshit. Well, Ariel. and here's the thing. I mean, uh, my mind went in a very similar direction. I was like, right, because, you know, consent is definitely silence, right? Bruh. <laughs> just throwing it out there no yeah. no you're absolutely right it's like hmm well I, officer she was thinking for a long time that must be yes right I well her face to... didn't move and she said nothing so I was pretty I mean, sure that was a go right the tape and rope had nothing to do with the fact that she couldn't consent I swear I swear to god nope nope it was a rough sex thing sorry um, yeah totally consensual Ariel, uh, may- maybe... she nodded by shaking her head I assure you Ariel, maybe was... maybe you have this in your data, but the one thing that I'm reading about this in the wiki that I can't get an a- I can't find an answer to 
uh-huh. is that because you mentioned it was donated to the to the museum, and that's it is. Yes, but it's annually rotated in October to face the old post office and custom house. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I wonder why. He gets vacations. <laughs> I, I He's working hard with his mischief, bro. I can't Dude. get to the bottom you of. Got to hustle. Yeah, Suddenly, Child's Play the movie doesn't seem as stupid anymore. Well, and right? it's funny because Rico, they actually have made some movies directly about this doll. Like, yes, Chucky might be and inspired sh- by, but and I'm sure it bombed because everyone who like saw a trailer or heard about it was like, "Who the fuck needs another killer doll?" There's movie? been yeah, right. There's been well, five. We have no, we have Child's Play, and we also have Annabelle, right? But right. Annabelle's also, not based on Robert the doll. Annabelle's based on no. Annabelle. Annabelle's wait. based on. A completely different true set of circumstances. CJ, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Th- no, it's fine. The um, the the original movie was called just called Robert in 2015. There have been four sequels since. So to your point, what? Nico, maybe not. It's um Robert in 2015, The Curse of Robert the Doll from 2016, The Toy Maker in 2017. And the revenge of Robert the doll in eighteen, and then Robert reborn last year. So they're what the actual fuck? I didn't know about any of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I have one more, one more piece of just interesting inform- information. So, um, and I don't want to go off on a complete tangent. And I know Rico doesn't care so much about this, but Ariel, I'm into ghost hunting. Like I think I. Th- okay. I think it's a real thing. I'm no, because re- that's exactly why Rico's reaction right there. But I'm I'm heavy into it. I think it's a real thing, and I I watch I watch the original incarnation of Ghost Hunters, and I've been watching it more the more recent ones. Um, CJ, that's adorable. You don't let Rico ruin that dream for you. Thank you. I didn't. Say, I haven't said a goddamn thing. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> anyway. But the, the the guys who did the original Ghost Hunters created a, uh, an organization called the Atlantic Paranormal Society. That's what okay. created – it's called TAPS. And they, they've become so popular that there are conventions for them. So there's a thing called TAPSCon. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the TAPSCon itself has kind of gone away because that society has gone away. But, but there's still ghost hunting conventions. Anyway, the point being is in 2008 – the doll was taken to Clearwater for the convention, and it's the first time it left Key West in 104 years. Whoa. And that's the part of bringing it up was just that, okay, so you don't give a fuck, Rico. You know what? Fuck off. <laughs> I'm, look, allowed, I'm allowed to mime shit, all right? I don't look, I, the, I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com local today. Hey. 
listen, look, listen, I am a very Occam's razor kind of person. Like the most logical solution is probably the right one. And ghosts just don't really fit that narrative for me but like look again you know i hate the expression i really do but it's become thematic in this episode live your best life cj you know what i'm saying (laughs) listen as for my own personal thing i've never experienced a that's exactly yes cj well but i that that's more for my that's why it's adorable cj (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> See, I just don't believe in ghosts. One, because I've never seen it, and two, because Fair. the whole thing is, as an atheist, my whole thing is that I don't believe in an afterlife. So mm-hmm. if there's no afterlife, there's no ghosts. You know. Right. I, but I've also I I know people personally who have seen ghosts or have think they've seen ghosts, and right. that's not to say I don't believe you. I believe that you think you believe. Saw ghosts. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. I'm not I'm not putting anybody down who believes these things or who, right. you know, really buys into them. I have nothing against religion. I'm not religious, but um, you know, when it comes to me, I just look at these things and I go, well, they're not my experience and just because we don't understand a phenomenon doesn't mean that there's not a logical explanation. There have been plenty of things over the period, over time, you know, any any science or or knowledge that is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic to us right, right? I mean, so i also you know, don't believe a doll will come to life and fucking hack me to bits but look look it's I'll entertaining eat my words. as all hell i'll eat my words if a doll comes to life and hacks me to bits <laughs> i i think eating your words would be the last thing you would want to do probably mm-hmm. you probably want yeah. to like regurgitate words and say help me a doll's trying to kill me Sure, sure. No, you know what? You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. (laughs) Here's the crazy thing is Chucky has always been a significant part of my life. Really? Yeah, because I have older brothers. Okay. And I had like stuffed animals and dolls and action figures and shit. My older brothers are 10 years older than me. So when they were 16, I was six. Mm -hmm. My brother Joel and I uh, were wrestling and he said, you know, Chucky's on and I'm like, I want to act tough and show off to my of older course. Brothers. Yeah. Of you know, and, and he knew that and he still was like, all right, we're going to watch like, and, and okay. it was like, that's, yeah. that's not like a, and still that's like a, so of course he's like, <laughs> you know so, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting and we're watching a part in child's play too. Uh-huh. Child, uh, Chucky's in the backseat and he, suffocates a dude who's driving he lures him he's like he puts a a squirt gun to his head that looks like a real gun and says i need you to drive to this location then he ties you know he's got all this because the guy works for a toy company so he's got all this toy shit in the back seat right so he ties his hands together with a fucking jump rope and then suffocates with a plastic bag mm-hmm. so that's all i saw i was six or seven oh years god but very clearly <laughs> i remember the guy's, you know, muffled and, and suffocating, and Chucky just <laughs> just laughing his fucking ass off. <laughs> and my dad comes to the living room and watches us. He's like, what the fuck are you guys watching? Rico, it's time to go to bed. So, for months, my brother Joel would walk by, and 
Rika, come out and play. Oh, God. Just scared the fuck out of me for years. Ultimately, I had nightmares for years. And the fucked up thing was, is, and I completely have blocked this from my memory. I have no memory of this. My brothers <laughs> both told me that they tried to make a, 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 a school film project. And it was going to be called Rico Man. And it was going to be me as a superhero, like like a fucking like superhero costume. And they had like they had like a doll dressed in the same costume to like like if they were going to like they were going to throw it off the building and like it was going to be me landing miraculously and punching them. And it's so fucking cute. The old and and Rico Man was actually my fucking nickname when I was a kid. Rico Man. No, it gets worse. So. <laughs> I and again, I I value in my memory. Like I I'm able to remember useless bits of information that no one gives a fuck about. You yeah. want to know Frank Sinatra's favorite color? You come to Rico. But I have no recollection of this, and I remember shit before six. So this is like I was so traumatized that apparently my brothers tried to film me like to get ready, and I associated the camera with Chuck. <gasps> Oh. And I just knew, like, no, Chucky's in the movie. He's going to get me. Oh. So I I fucked up their school project, apparently. No. <laughs> they couldn't do it. They were like, they're like, you, and they were so pissed. They're like, God damn it, Ringo, we fucking had, like, a plan, and you, we agreed to this. And oh. and it, it finally, like, it took my brother to finally say, Rico, I will protect you from Chucky. Chucky is two fucking feet tall. I will kick. I'm a rugby player. I will kick him across the fucking floor. It's okay. Aww. And I still didn't believe him because he was still doing the tap, tap, tap. Rika. Oh, God. And then this was what fucked it all up. I started getting over it. And then Bride of Chucky came out in fucking theaters in 1998. Some seven. Of course. Of course. And I'm did. just seeing the cocksucker everywhere. Covered and his face looks more gnarled. He's stitched up and 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 now he's getting fucking doll pussy. Like I need to fucking know this. I don't. I don't <laughs> it, it just wasn't helping. And and fucking posters were everywhere. And like so. And she was creepy because she's like, I mean, I was like, I'm seven. I'm like strangely attracted to this female doll and terrified of her fucking husband. <laughs> breathe <laughs> so it took me it took me fucking years to really get over it. and also because like i had stuffed animals and i had action figures and i'm looking at them all and then and ironically enough toy story also kind of like added to that because i mean <laughs> sir sentient toys yeah but here's the fucked up thing they both are owned by a kid named andy I never made that connection. So, I mean, fucking Toy Story is just a lighthearted version of Child's Play. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Even worse when you realize that if, like, <laughs> if, if, a, if a toy died, Andy's just going to play with a fucking corpse and he doesn't know it. But the other toys are going to stare at him and be like, this is fucked up on so many levels. That just made the whole movie really disturbing to I'll, me. I'll, I'll give you one even better you know how when oh god it, here you know, we go you know what listen sorry i subjected you to albert fish and ed gein so you just go yeah. <laughs> ruin my life okay well, ironically enough it. it has something so, a weird kind of connection to just fishing in general not fish himself but fishing remember the 
the uh, the toy that Sid constructs where it's Barbie legs and a fishing line? Oh, fuck yes, I do. That's a hooker. Yeah. We'll give you a second to ab- absorb that. You hey, can't see my face. Her. I think my th- I think that's the widest my mouth has ever gotten. <laughs> like jaw drop, eyes bugging out. Whoa, whoa! Never made that connection. Yeah, yep, we, did, we did. We did a Pixar uh, deep dive a couple episodes back. So no, the last two, the last two episodes. Well, a couple episodes back. All right, fuck off. Anyway. So eventually, I think Steph is laughing. I think she's she, she probably heard it, and she's got headphones on. So somehow your fuck off went through two separate things of headphones. But look, I now I watch Child's Play and I get over it. I'm I'm I actually find them fucking hysterical, and I had to kind of work my way backwards because the later sequels are just not as scary and more comedic. So I worked my way mm-hmm. from five, four, and then like kind of was like, all right, I'm ready for one. I'm ready for one. And then I saw Child's Play 2 in its entirety. And I'm like, it's still kind of probably the scariest. It's still, it's actually probably my favorite. Ironically enough, it's my fucking favorite. And then I watched the one with the, that came out recently and holy shit, that's just a bad movie. It was bad. Old- I, rem- I remember, I remember when you, you gave us your review because Rico will do that sometimes. He'll see shit that he knows I'm never going to see, so we'll we'll let him come on and do it. Not let him, but he'll, he will come on and do a review of said movie. And it I don't care if he spoils it because I'm never going to watch the fucking thing. And Chucky's right. a good example of that. And there was the one scene with the cat oh, that you oh, talked God. about that, you know, you said that was... You said the movie as a whole was shit, but that, that scene was super fucking creepy, if I recall. Yeah. Have you seen it, Ariel? Uh, which one was this? The new the one. New, the the new. newest Child's Boy remake. Oh, no. I have not. So, the only good thing is that it's voiced by Mark Hamill this time. Oh, nice. Because I'm here for that. Yeah, if you're going to fucking, like, remake a movie and have an iconic, you know, character played by someone who's not Brad Dorff, who's been consistently Chucky for the past 30 years. Right. You go, you go Mark Hamill, you go Joker Skywalker is how it's, it, which if I could just interject briefly was so funny, Ariel, because I know you're working your way through our library and I don't remember exactly where it got discussed, but there was a conversation we had where they announced a new Chucky and that it wasn't going to be Brad Dorf. And Rico went off on a thing about fuck that, <laughs> fuck this movie, I don't want to see it. And then a couple episodes later, it's announced that Hamill's doing it. And he's like, I can't wait to see this movie. And like he just 180, 100% around. I was still kind of like, this is probably going to suck. But if you're going to do this, that's brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there are things that I absolutely, uh, projects that have been announced that have been redeemed for me simply because of inspired casting. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I totally get it. So it was, it was just this, funny because of how anti the movie was. So what really kind of fucked me up is the, the remake is different because it's not serial killer voodoo possession into a doll. Mm-hmm. It is a basically a robot like artificial intelligence toy that's gone bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a faulty toy. And the interesting thing about the only, the very few interesting things about the film is that 
you actually kind of sympathize because he's a toy and he's learning and he's, he's, he's obsessed with wanting to be best friends with Andy. So he's just uh. constantly like throughout the whole film. He's just like, are we having fun yet? Are we having fun now? Or like, he's just like, really like it. This is how we're, this is what's fun. Right. So he watches Andy and his friends watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and they're uh. laughing and having a good time. Like, I'm, Oh my God, it's so ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. So he thinks, Oh, they're they're They like that. That's what makes them happy. So that's why he got sort of gets this sort of killer instinct. And he's okay. ultra protective of Andy. So anybody who, you know, makes Andy upset, now Chucky's like, they're a target. I have to kill them. So that's where the, the twist of this. But and look, I can see Chucky fucking stab people in the face all day, every day. It doesn't bother me. But mm-hmm. Andy has a cat named Mickey Rooney. Because, well, I mean, I can't talk shit. I need my, I need my cat Dino after Dean Martin, so I can't talk any shit. So that's adorable. Thank you. Um, he's <laughs> he's, he's one cool cat. Uh, oh, cute. I so that's cute, bud. <laughs> so Rooney or Mickey or whatever the fuck they call the cat scratches Andy, and then. Andy comes home from school and he finds the cat dead mm-hmm. and he says, and he has to hide the cat's body. Otherwise his mom is going to be like, why the fuck is the cat dead? What'd you do? Sure. And so he tells Chucky, like, why did you do that? He's like, he hurt you. He made you upset. He blah, blah, blah. So he's like, that was wrong. You don't do that. And then he goes to sleep. And in the middle, this is, this is the one part that I'm like, Holy fuck, that is so goddamn wrong. Andy wakes up hearing his cat yowling and hissing and meowing. And Chucky had record, I mean, Chucky records so he could learn. He's playing the, the audio of him killing the cat as, and he's staring at him from across the room in the dark as almost like just justification of like, see, this is why I did what I did. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So oh, I'm glad. I'm glad with all of your like expertise on fish and and gene and all this horrible, horrendous shit. I'm a juice squirm. That's yeah. That's fucking awful. I you know. Gotta right? Understand though when I when I hear these true crime stories, I'm not just like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I mean, I it affects me. It oh, yeah. does. It, it really does. I promise. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I, in all honesty, I didn't mean to make you upset. I'm, but like, no, 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 no. I, I was I like, I was in the theater and I was, I was grabbing my, I was grabbing my girlfriend Stephanie's hand. I was just like, I am not okay with this. Like, mm-hmm. fucking kill everybody in the movie. You leave the kitties alone. Right. Well, and, and, and it's, it's, it's weird because people are always like, why, why do I care? Am I, am I messed up? Am I a psychopath? Because, I care more about the animals than I do about like the people who are killed. And it's like, no, there's actually a psychological um, like justification for that. And that's that animals and very small children are the most vulnerable among us. And so we tend to have a greater sense of outrage when it comes to animals and small children, which we see, you know, with documentaries, like don't fuck with cats. Right. You know, I'm still not brave enough to start watching. 
which I, I watched it. We covered it on my on my podcast. Um, it's 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 heinous and it doesn't even show the whole video. It only shows like the lead up to what's about to happen. And it's like that alone. That's enough, like, yeah. I, I can't fucking handle it. I, you know, I, I haven't gone to watch the full thing. I mean, I'm one of those people. I look at crime scene photos and I'll look at, you know, I'll read the gory details about crime scenes and stuff because I feel like it speaks to a killer's um, pathology, their mm-hmm. psychology, etc. It's not great. I don't love it. In fact, it makes me sick sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel it's due diligence for what I'm doing. Um, it's your in job this, in retrospect. Exactly. And, and in this case, the don't fuck with cats, I was just like, I can't, I can't go and watch this. I'm not going to give it another view. I'm not going right. to, you know, dig You're like, that. if this is my job, then they're not paying me enough for this. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I mean, look, (laughs) I don't make a ton as a podcaster, but yeah, definitely above my pay grade to have to contribute to that kind of bullshit. Um, So, yeah. And I mean, and to your point about the kids, just if I could, just so I could sound like I have something to say. Um, (laughs) Not that I condone the killing of animals, but I'm just saying I've never, I've never even heard of that documentary, let alone seen it. So, but um, that's why, like, someone like Fish. It, the the gentleman we spoke of earlier. Oh, is, don't call him gentleman. Well, I, d- I want people to realize we're not talking about the, the aquatic animal. That was my point. The um, the cum crumpet we discussed earlier. Yes, <laughs> I like that. I got to use that. Um, You're welcome. Please, thank do. you. Yeah, no, thank the you. Cum- the crumpet. Crumpet. Uh, nah, <laughs> I, I like her version better. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Slightly. Anyway, uh, yeah. um... But he's worse than, say, someone that I'm really intrigued by, H.H. H. Holmes, because all Holmes' victims are adults that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's still a well, shitty. Aside from uh, if his you sister, if you feed aside, right? Well, yeah, because there's that one about the pregnant woman. That's true. I, right. I forgot about right. But aside but, from that, yes, his his victimology is adults. Yes, he's not. The, the difference between him and Fish is Fish was targeting kids. I don't know that Holmes was targeting kids as much as Mm-mm. the fetus was just a, a, a. I mean, not that that's an okay thing, but it was collateral damage to the right. to the actual target. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and that and that's probably one you and I should discuss on another day because I yeah. I love me some H. H. Holmes. Not that he's okay, but the, the 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 story and the mythology and and the methodology is really intriguing. So, um, you know, you don't see children in horror films getting killed that often, which is. But I mean, it 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 you have a killer usually chasing after a child with the intent of killing them, but most of the time they survive. You right. know. I right. think there's some exceptions like it, uh, right. you know, but no, when they're all kids, they all survive for the most right. part. Um, Halloween four and five, Michael Myers is chasing after his niece, which I actually thought was like a nice change. You know, he's not mm-hmm. stalking babysitters. He's talking an eight year old girl, which makes it 
immensely more scary. Right. Um, better, Jason Voorhees. Better be better than the first one. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God, you're such a chode. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, total, uh, I was fucking with some um, younger millennials and generation, whatever the fuck they're called now, who are like in their <laughs> early 20s. Um, and we, they were talking about all these bands and I was like, I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. And these names are terrible, right? The band names are terrible. And so my friend Mel and I, who's one of the other Oracle network founders, Mm -hmm. uh, she and I were on the same chat. And so she and I just started making up band names and of people that we'd seen in concert. And we're like talking like stories about having seen them alive and whatever. And one of them was sound chode. Which I think is like the fucking best. Oh, still better than Soundgarden, so I'll take it. Anyway, I mean, uh, my my, fa- my favorite is Come Crumpet. Come Crumpet, that's a good I, band. Yeah. Look, I have um, way too many friends in the UK. It's just it's bled into my vocabulary. Yeah, we have we have a quite a few in there and Australia, one of the colonies. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, yeah, but I so yeah, I mean, like Jason Voorhees never killed a kid. It was actually kind of right. interesting. Like, like where where is that age? Like, when is it okay to be killed well, by a serial and, killer? And that's what I was about to ask you because wasn't and and Enrico, you know these movies infinitely better, and I'm sure Ariel, you as well. But um, Nightmare on Elm Street, aren't they? <laughs> Aren't they kids or, or at well, least teenagers? I mean, I mean, teenagers, yes, yeah, yes, but technically, I th- I, yes, children. I think the I think honestly, if I can give you a number, I think it's seventeen. Seventeen, you're old enough to fuck, you're old enough to party, you're old enough to die by a slasher, milk killer. Okay, I mean, but it, not old enough to drink. I mean, well, you have to have look. some standards here. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you on a personal level. Like, if you're if you're old enough, if you, if you're 18 and you're old enough to go to fucking war, you exactly. should be able to. You sh- I mean, and if, if and, anyone deserves to get shitty, right? Yeah. Why not somebody who's willing to die for their fucking country? Yeah, but let's, just... let's not let's not bullshit and pretend that they're not. They just can't do it legally. But let's be real about this, you know? Yeah. So okay. So you guys brought up um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is one of, to me, okay, and this may come off as really silly to some people, but you're going to have to hear me out. One of the scariest horror films I've ever seen. Oh, I agree. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Most people are like, oh, it's fucking campy. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You don't get it then. Okay. But here's the thing. It, it It's not campy. But in the same way that, like, if I were to ever get, like, a positive reaction from CJ about Halloween, he would say it's dated. That's the nicest thing you could say. True. And I'll I'll take that. That I would say that it's dated? I'll take that all day. That's the nicest thing you'll say about Halloween. It just sucks. Look, listen, we're not, that's not, you know, go on, Rico. All right. I, I, I was waiting for your reaction, your your argument, be like, uh, it, "Fuck you." That's what you basically, you know, said earlier. So, <laughs> but don't worry. uh, don't worry, I've still got it in the pipes. Um, 
<sighs> okay. Sorry, am I throwing you guys off having to like walk around while I'm? No, it was the sound that could very strongly be misinterpreted that it was just made that really kind of threw us. I think. <laughs> um. Fuck. Okay. Was it? Was it the the me like sucking wine off my finger? Yes. Whoops. Sorry. Um, but, but that's the thing is we need you to clarify what that was. Because especially, audience... sorry? especially since it's going to make our outtake real. Because um, <laughs> I don't I don't think we shared this with you on your on your show and people won't hear this for months anyway. But we at the end of every year on New Year's Eve do an outtake reel and listen back to all our outtakes from the entire year and mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve and comment on them as we listen. So I'm sure that will make the real. Anyway. Well, it was a good sound. I'm not going to lie. Like, immediately after I did it, I was like, oh, shit. It's not, it's not, as, it's not as cringing as the one Rico does that seems to bother Stephanie so bad. But that's, you know, you know that one. So. The night is young. The, so. night, the night is young, yeah. Anyway, getting back to Nightmare on Elm Street, I, if, I'll if i jump in for like 30 seconds because after this, I can sh- just shut the fuck up and let you guys go. Um, okay. I've only I've only ever seen one of these. Um, okay. And Rico, you already knew this because we've talked about it. I, well, I forget which episode, but we talked about it. The only one I've seen is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, okay. Hey, and and I, I seem to have a running pattern of this because I saw Freddy vs. Jason. It's the only of the, only of the Freddies or the Jasons I've ever seen, and I saw Aliens vs. Predator, and that's the only Aliens or Predator movie I've ever seen. So you oh, know, hey, that's a shame. Uh, no, not really, but you know, sure. It's okay, not a genre. True crime. I don't get why you're not into horror. This is really a disconnect for me. Because <laughs> because there's a difference between see. I, uh, all right. If if you want an honest answer, I can I can give you one because it's it. I'm more into like. Do you remember Gothica with Haley Berry? Yeah, I that's, do. That mm-hmm. you know, I've seen Silence. We talked about Silence of the Lambs earlier. I've seen Silence. Loved Silence of the Lambs. So okay, good. So all right, when okay. you're you're not hopeless. No, but it's that <laughs> hopeless. Thank you. Um, it's that kind of horror, <laughs> that kind of thing that makes me. Um, Are you flipping me off? No, him. That was Enrico. Because sorry, no. I feel like that was kind of directed no. To it was me. Com- that was one thousand percent Enrico for doing this. So, um, I feel okay. bad for our listeners that cannot see the the majesty that's happening right now. Anyway, um, it is majestically <clears throat> awkward, y'all. Like for real, <laughs> every fucking <laughs> syllable. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> But no, but it's those kinds of thrillers and like and like a Criminal Minds because Criminal Minds, some of those episodes border on like horror level shit. I mean, so yeah, they definitely do, you know, sure. and and some of them not so much. But like, so when it's that kind of horror, I'm in. But when you're just like ripping motherfuckers apart and placing blood everywhere, I I don't. It just doesn't, you know. CJ. You may want to check out the movie Mr. Brooks. And you too, Ariel. Mm, Mr. Brooks. Yeah. You know it? Yeah. I do. That's a great one. It's a good one. Yeah. It's honestly CJ, check it out. It's it's honestly, it's probably the best Kevin Costner movie that no one has seen. Right. And I'll say this Dane Cook is in it. Still watch it. (laughs) Still watch it. Yep. (laughs) 
I like no. that. That's good. Dane Rico. Cook doesn't ruin it. He doesn't Dane, ruin it. Look, Dane Cook is actually amazing in it because he's playing a, a Dane Cook. He's the great Dane douchebag. Um, if yep. I if it, I could just add two more, right, he's perfect. <laughs> if I could add two more to the list real quick, just to to round off your to your question, Ariel. I also like mm-hmm. Gone Girl quite a bit, which I you know borders on a horror esque thriller. Oh, totally. You know, and also um, also has roots in true crime, but I couldn't definitively or confidently tell you exactly what at this moment. So we may have to revisit that. That's fine. We certainly can. And then and then one that we re- referenced earlier, but we haven't gotten into yet, and that Zodiac. Like I I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. So like if well, it, it seems like you are more drawn to thrillers. Yes, I would say that's probably than thrillers than actual like. Horror, your your run of the mill horror, right? Yeah. You know? So it, it it's it's just that I don't find you know um, pleasure in watching other people get ripped apart, and and I'm not a huge fan of jump scares. Like I know some of those ones I listed still have them, but I'm not a huge fan of jump scares. So I'm not either. I'm not yeah. either. Ironically enough, especially the new generation of circa 2007 to mm-hmm. like now, where everything is a fucking jump scare. The right. what. What creeps me out in a horror film is not necessarily camera pans, boom, loud, you know, sound of, of, you know, strings and organ, a violin and shit. What creeps me out is like focus on a character in the background. You see something. Yes. Yeah. But see that kind of stuff. I don't mind depending on what it is. So I hear you. That is what fucks with me. That is one of those things that like after I watch a horror film and again, I'm not a big ghost person. I'm you know, I, could is it possible i mean i guess but like i i'm not you know what i mean like that's not my default like i'm not gonna go to bed like scared of a boogeyman under my bed like but there are times when i watch really effective horror films and you know i'll be like brushing my teeth before bed and just kind of like just looking behind me periodically like it's it's the corner of your eye just like with texas chainsaw massacre you don't have to see the gore to scare yourself. It's what right. you're not seeing that you're doing the most damage. I mean, th- take it from, from Jaws. Mm-hmm. The scariest thing of Jaws is not necessarily seeing the shark. It's not seeing the shark. It's mm-hmm. being the POV of the shark as it's seeing, you know, beachgoers just sort of waddling in the fucking you know, shallow ends of the, of the ocean. Right. That is the scariest part. Is that if I just look right. under the surface, I'll see a fucking 25-foot shark. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, not to go back to Chucky, but, like, the the thing that scares the fuck out of me is, like, something that's inanimate moving. Something like 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 a doll doing this shit and then going right. back. Right. Like, there was a movie, and I'm going to spoil the fuck out of it. There was a movie, uh, What Lies Beneath. Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I got like faults with that movie, but like you know, strong. And again, for those who haven't seen it, I'm gonna spoil the fuck out of it. Harrison Ford is a fucking villain, which you never have ever fucking seen. No. And to see Harrison Ford be like chasing after Michelle Pfeiffer is, mm-hmm. is kind of fucking terrifying. But what scares the fuck out of me. And still to this day is when like they're going like they're fighting in the water in a fucking sinking car. They drove off a bridge and like the whole thing is like he killed somebody, 
years previously who was like he was fucking around and then the, the body's like there but like her her body kind of rises up and then as she's rising up she kind of reanimates back to instead of like skeletal form to like mm-hmm. she's got some she, now she has meat on her bones sure yeah and it's uh played by amber valletta the mm-hmm. the co-star in hitch the one that kevin right. james is obsessed over right and, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious but right. yeah and so she kind of floats and Harrison looks at her and then she just kind of turns and looks right at him. That, apart from how bad the movie was, that scared the fuck Dude, out of me. There are some terrible movies that have some amazing moments, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, for instance, in, in, um, have, you guys, have you guys seen Legion? Yes. Okay. I have not. I have not. You haven't. Okay. So Legion is, um, I love Paul Bettany. I really do. Oh yeah. It's largely, largely forgettable. I would say, um, I, I love, I mean, I didn't hate it. Right. I thought it was good, but the, the standout moment, you know, given the fact that I've seen as much horror as I have, like not everything is going to be like top tier. Right. Um, the standout moment is when you have this elderly woman come into the diner I and, knew you were going there. Yes. I mean, I mean, fucking, how could I not? Right? Like, okay, Rico, you want to, you want to take over here and explain exactly what the fuck happened? Because... So it's an elderly woman, CJ at a diner. And she just looks like kind of like a normal old woman, but there's like flies around her and shit. So you kind of getting the sense of, there's something a little off of her, but she looks like a sweet, innocent little old yeah. lady. A little and like, shit is shit is not. Uh, it's already not okay, right. right? We know things are not fine. Okay. So she the waitress, the, the waitress is pregnant, and is pregnant from out of wedlock. You know, it's it's like the the guy fucked her and drove away and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Circumstances, circumstances. So she goes over. Shit. to take the woman's order she brings her like extra rare fucking steak or something which is how she orders it and yeah. the old lady says oh so uh who's your who's the father or how far along are you and you know the waitress kind of responds and says oh well it's a shame it's gonna burn in hell and then she just kind of is like what the fuck did you say it's like your baby's gonna fucking burn in hell and just like just turns into this fucking evil succubus she- ugly bitch and just and like mean, starts crawling on the. We're talking like sharp fucking teeth. Yeah. This little old lady. Like, and then, yeah, exactly. She's like spider crawling across the like walls and ceiling. It's like the most fucking horrifying thing I think I've ever seen. You know, I, and, and what it is is horror movies are great because they will take something that is innocent looking and make it fucking scary. A doll. Exactly. A fucking blank face of Michael Myers is now absolutely fucking terrifying, unless you're fucking CJ. Um, and and a sweet little old lady just eating at a diner. She's just like, oh, your baby's gonna rot now. Like even even The Exorcist, a little fucking girl, is now fucking terrifying. But you know, I want to go back to Nightmare on Elm Street because I know where you're leading. It's based on true events. Mm-hmm. And you and of all the movies, you would think that's how could that be based on true events? But there was a bunch of you're going to have to help me with the ethnicity it was like a sect of Polynesian or Vietnamese men or something that go ahead. They're um, basically um, 
it was Cambodia. That's right. Yeah. There was uh, a family who had uh, escaped the killing fields, right? And um, <clears throat> and this is a quote from Wes Craven, okay? Things were fine, and suddenly the young son was having very disturbing nightmares. He told his parents he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him. So he tried to stay awake for days at a time, okay? And then, again, quote, when he finally fell asleep, his parents thought this crisis was over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night. By the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare. I actually want to add, I've actually heard of a different, uh, of that particular person. His parents actually slept him something to make sure he gets some sleep. Mm. So not only did they make him go to sleep, but he actually theoretically couldn't have woken up when he when they wanted him to right so i mean and that that to me is the most horrifying thing about this movie is that you know when we sleep that's supposed to be our safe place when we're sleeping we're at our most vulnerable right right and you know this child was so traumatized by what he had experienced in the killing fields in cambodia that he he that trauma took his life while he was sleeping in the form of a nightmare i mean that's horrifying you know when it comes right down to it and i also related and this is not it was not based on this in any way this is my own connection but when i watch it and people are like oh it's just campy and it's just like 80s horror and whatever like it's not it doesn't even hold up etc when I when I liken it to is Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, right? This is a guy who broke into people's homes mm-hmm. and killed them in their sleep, mm-hmm. or awoke them from their sleep into a fucking nightmare, you know. And and to me, that's that's very similar to Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, I, can't, I can't argue against horror. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said I can't argue against that. I I think that's yeah. I think that's a fair you know assessment of what that would be like to to wake up to to that experience. Yeah. Do you know how Wes Craven got another inspiration for the character of Freddy Krueger? No, tell me. One, he named Freddy Krueger after a kid who bullied him when he was a kid. Really. And he was so obsessed with the that name that he actually took that name Krug. Kruger, uh, for the antagonist of his first film, Last House on the Left, which in itself is fucking terrifying of a film. Yes, it is. For sure. Uh, and so Krug was, was that. But then when he was a kid, he was looking at his better window and he saw a a bum, just, just a wino homeless dude just kind of shuffling and muttering himself out sure. in the alley. And he's looking at him. And then the the bum looks up and sees him looking at him and just stares at him. So there's this they're just staring at each other for like whatever it is, 10, 15 seconds. And then the bum kind of like <clears throat> just kind of lunged his his face forward like, yeah, I'm looking right at you. Mm. Kind of, and then proceeded to go to the apartment building and let himself in into the oh. building itself. And Wes is like freaking out. He goes to his brother and his brother grabs a baseball bat to like 
go to the hallway and see if anybody's coming up the stairs. And the guy never showed up. Mm-hmm. But just that kind of like, I'm looking right at you and I'm going to scare you. And I'm going right. to scare you even more by knowing that you're looking at me and I'm looking at you. And, and I'm just, just somebody who really, in, really want to scare a child. Sure. And then, and then the, the blades is actually from, uh, his cat scratching the fucking, uh, couch. Oh, interesting. But he also said, he's like, I want to make an iconic weapon. And, and he works in a boiler room. I want something that he can make himself. So they essentially had to come up with like the, when they were making the film, they had to say, how would, how would somebody with like, you know, tools and, and a couple fishing, you know, knives, could make this and and that's sort of what was what made freddy krueger iconic yes the the fact that he can kill you in your sleep in, in your dreams how he's the dream demon so to speak mm-hmm. is already scary but the fact that he's got you know the burnt face the the iconic you know finger knives the the fucking red and green sweater which is actually like specifically chosen because those are the two colors that like if they're with if they're t- connected together, it contradicts the eye uh, POV or it's something. Not, it's, it's, it's not. Yes, there's okay. So Rico, if if I could jump in for a minute, because I had a couple pieces of data that I pulled up while you guys were talking about it. And to your yeah. point, Rico, yeah, that's part of it. Um, sweater sweater colors that are of red and green. After reading an article in Scientific and Scientific American in 1982 that said the two most clashing colors to the human retina were that particular combination of red and green. The other thing that's interesting though about that Rico is, and I I know this to be an accurate statement that is, he also chose that because um, DC the DC comic character Plastic Man originally had those colors in his makeup. Mm-hmm. And he was a big fan of Plastic Man. Mm-hmm. So, and then, mm-hmm. and then I think he took that and then also saw the article and put the two together and was like, yeah, that's got to be it. Um, sure. Yeah. So that's, that's just some information. The other thing I would like to just contribute really quick is, there was some, oh, so you talked about the, the, the refugees in Cambodia and that's all accurate. The other thing that's really interesting to me is the thing that sealed this, and then this is a quote from the wiki, what sealed the story for Craven was the pop song Dreamweaver by Gary Wright. Mm, which if you know, which if you know the song, if you know the song is a very positive song. It's an uplifting kind of song. Rico, you, you know the song, whether you realize it or not, because you've seen Wayne's World, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever he sees, whenever he sees the, whenever Garth sees the, oh no, I'm sorry. Whenever Wayne sees Cassandra at the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. that's the song that starts playing in the background. Got like, it. When when he like drowns out everything and he just hears a song, that's the song that's playing, and that's where I know the song from. So to know that that's, and then apparently he took, um. A, a riff from the song to make the Nightmare on Elm Street music. I didn't know that. Yeah, it says hmm. here, hold on, uh, I'll read you the line exactly. The 1970s pop song Dreamweaver by Gary Wright sealed for sealed the story for Craven, giving him not only an artistic setting to jump off from, but a synthesizer riff from the Elm Street soundtrack as well. So, and then, and then it, just to tie it off, it says it has also been stated that he drew some inspiration from studying Eastern religion. 
I mean, I have to give Craven credit that he created an iconic character in just one movie. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not that's not an easy achievement. Yeah, I mean, agreed. You know, everything was just they never they expanded and kind of fucked with his character later. And the and the interesting thing is that originally he was supposed to be a child molester. Yes, which is already fucking awful. But then you're like, you know what? That's too dark. Let's just make him a child murderer. Like, okay. But then the remake did it and actually said, okay, no, we're actually like, we're going that route too. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, both are awful. I don't know why, like, oh, right. well, he just kills them. So it's not that as bad. Well, I I think there's, I think the distinction there is like being a child killer means you have a preferential victim type but being a child rapist means that you're willing to torture you know i mean if your goal is to kill children it's not necessarily going to be a drawn-out process you know but, but given the choice, well what i'm saying is that given yeah. the choice between being shot to death or being fucking raped and strangled, I'm gonna take shooting all day long. I I, I, yeah. I agree yeah. with you, and I'm not trying to minimize that in any way. Yeah, no, no, not so. of course not, of course but, not. I don't but he, that. but he still drags out the kill. I mean, he stalks Nancy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we have to give a shout out. John Saxon died yesterday. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually oh, did a we did a brief. Uh, uh, in memoriam right before you joined us because we we lost th- we, we we already talked about it in depth we lost what four people in the last 24 hours uh, in the world of well, entertainment well I know for sure Olivia de Havilland died yep that yeah. was today she was 104 four years old yep. uh, Saxon <laughs> Saxon as he said um, Regis Philbin died yesterday yeah <gasps> Oh my god, I never heard about that. Okay, so I live under a rock, apparently. Well, a documentary know. rock. Um, and then... <laughs> and then I shouldn't be laughing right now. And then Pete Green from Fleetwood Mac died yesterday. Oh no! To, yeah. So. Oh, I need to reach out to my friend Jordan. She and I are like kindred spirits and our love for Fleetwood Mac. She'll you know, and, well, okay, well, and I, so I will ask you this very quickly. I know we're getting way off topic, but Rico and I were talking about this Don't before we brought you on, and if I, knew you were such, if I knew you were such a fan, we would have waited to have the conversation, but um, I was saying the thing that's interesting is when, when you think of Fleetwood Mac, you don't mm-hmm. think Pete Green. Unless you're an Uber fan no. like you, you think Lindsey Buckingham, you think Stevie Nicks, you think Mick Fleetwood, right. but you don't you don't think Pete Green. But yeah, he's he's an integral part of the the beginning and lore of Fleetwood Mac. So it has to be crushing. Yeah, so. it has to be crushing. I mean, yeah, no, um, I'm I'm one of those people that will distinguish like pre Stevie Nicks versus post Stevie Nicks. Like, oh, what's the same thing with Black Sabbath? You got your Pre, you yeah. pre, uh, or pre Ronnie James, Ronnie James Dio, and post, you know, Ronnie James Dio. Um, well, and and Genesis, Peter Gabriel, pre yeah. Phil Collins, post Phil Collins, which yeah. fuck all of it because Peter Gabriel, if God has, a, if God is real and has a singing voice, <laughs> it's Peter Gabriel. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't disagree with that part. 
But you and I could argue about Phil Collins and Genesis, but we'll do that another day. Anyway. Yeah, um, sure. Bring uh, it. No, no, no. I, I like I, Sinatra. That's, that's just me. I do, too. Uh, What's his favorite color? Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. You brought it up earlier in... Wait, did you say orange? Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. All right. Sorry, CJ. Go ahead. Look at that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um... The other thing I wanted to share for you, Ariel, because I know, again, you, we've referenced a few times this documentary podcast you you do, and you may have mentioned this and I might have missed it, so I apologize if you did, but there is a four-part documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street, or four-hour, excuse me, documentary. Never Sleep Again? Yes, that's exactly what it's called. Okay. It's actually, actually Rico, if I'm going to be honest, it's Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street legacy, if you want to be technical, but yeah, go ahead. Here's the problem. Yes. My co-host, Haley. Yes. Hates horror. Rico will stand it. in for you. He'll sit in for you. So uh, I'm just saying, if we're going to cover it on the podcast, I'm going to have to be like, hey, Haley has an emergency. So I am just doing this episode <laughs> with Rico. Yeah. <laughs> because she will fucking not do it. She won't. She'll just, no. I I'll tell you tell, what. I could tell the story how I met Robert England. <sighs> Oh, I love it so much um, already. Okay, so Rico, you and I, we're gonna we're gonna hook up. Okay, but, you're, you're you gonna know, do that that's with Rico. What we're actually, here for <laughs> CJ, go for it. You're, you're, you're gonna go do that with Rico. I'm gonna steal Haley, and we're gonna record something. It'll be fine, you know. It'll be fantastic. No, she's a nerd about all kinds of things that I have no interest in. So <laughs> there you go. We'll fi- we'll find Best something. Best friends for for twenty years is all I'm saying. Like. Nothing's gonna break us apart. Y'all want to do your recording? You go for it. No, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to break anyone apart, but I figure if you're gonna steal my partner, I'll just steal yours for an episode. It works, you know. <laughs> so. Oh fuck! You know, trades a trade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the at the end of both people, CJ and Earl are gonna be like, "All right, fucking take the back." <laughs> <laughs> they both uh, shut up. Yeah, and then CJ and I will join together to do a podcast that will be the most boring thing ever. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, wait, I don't know. There is already Potaskew. I don't know if can it get worse. So, um, but yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I will say like a shameless plug. Um, I have a brand new podcast with two of my best friends. We're all sociologists. Okay, <laughs> like we all did doctoral work in sociology. And um, we have all also during this quarantine decided that we're going to be like pioneer women and in, in DIY masters and homesteaders. And it's not working out. <laughs> and um, so we started a podcast that we just do live. Like we seriously like we hop on Get Vocal every Sunday at three o'clock and we just record an episode. And um, today. <laughs> today's episode is called shit spackle because <laughs> of um you know what just listen to it just find it listen <laughs> shit spackle shit spackle yeah last week's our very first episode was called secret chickens so <laughs> rico do you okay. want to try you know to what? get let's... this back on the rails cuz so, i've given up so, like let's try let's so try to get West this back Raven on the rails made a... Wes Craven made another uh, bunch of movies called Scream. Let's talk about that. Wait, what, CJ? You want me to say what? 
You want me to keep talking after we were talking for how many goddamn hours? Let's leave these poor people alone, okay? Fine. CJ wants me to do a proper closing, but I'm not going to say the same shit that he's always said for every goddamn other episode. If you don't like it, you can blame his ass. Listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcast. Or you could simply Google us. Though, if you're listening to this message, you probably did do that. Please don't forget to rate and comment. Seriously, we're not just saying that because we want to. We need your acceptance. If you want to agree with or yell at us, especially CJ, follow him and me and the show on Twitter. The show is at Potaskew. I am at Rance Rico. And CJ is at M underscore Blade. Don't ask me why. I still don't know. Some secrets are best left alone. We want to thank Logo Mike for our logo. That's why we call him Logo Mike. If you want or need some good art, hit him up at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. It's worth it. You can help a starving artist today. We got to give a big sloppy thank you to Samuel Evans for all the original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel dash lemons. When life gives you Sam Lemons, you better pucker up. And finally, we have to thank all of you. Well, we don't have to. We want to. It really does mean a lot to CJ and I that you guys have prioritized your time listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. Now, since I still have your attention, I think you have all been missing one of the best parts of every episode. The damn it. So therefore, you all have to listen to the damn it. Think of it as a MCU bonus credit scene. There, that fucking better. Yo, Z! Try this little guy! Fucking Chucky! minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.